0: The Simon Shore podcast is presented by Box Score Network. Box Score Network is your one stop shop for all things NFL podcasts. You want game analysis, betting lines, hot takes, and fantasy advice? Check out Box Score Network. Follow Box Score Network on Twitter at B Network for updates. Oh, hi, and welcome in to another episode of the Simon Short Podcast. I am Simon Short. To everybody's delight, Josh Massand is back and it's not even a real full Power Rankings episode. I don't know, call it Power Rankings 5.5 if you want. Um, Josh Limassand, you are back. Welcome. How are you doing?
1: Uh, I'm doing good. I've accepted the Vikings fate and now I can... You know, enjoy the playoffs stress free. Um, you know, I wasn't upset about it. We had a long shot and we had a week 18. So I was kind of already one foot out of the, the seasonal door, I would say. So, uh, mental state's pretty good. It's, uh, I'm ready to enjoy playoff football with a little to nothing at stake emotionally. So that'll be fun. So, and as always, glad to be back.
0: Well, unfortunately for you, this entire doc I'm throwing out, we're just going to talk about the Vikings and um, make you sad all over again. No, we're not okay. going to talk about the Vikings much tonight, I don't think. Maybe you'll bring them up later. We'll see. Um, nice. Josh and I are doing a lot tonight, guys. We are going to start by hitting some of the breaking news that has happened in the last couple of days. And that's not even the Black Monday uh, head coach firings, that which were most of them expected. Uh, nothing that was too earth-shattering, but uh, here at the top – Josh and I will talk about Mike Vrabel and Pete Carroll both being out as the head coaches of their respective clubs. That was certainly interesting. We're going to get into a little bit stuff about our power rankings, just how a little end of season stuff we mentioned last time. You know, we were doing it every four weeks, so we had those last two weeks that we kind of missed. So we're going to do a little mulligan session, like what will we change now that we had these last two weeks um, to really assess where teams were at at the end of the year. And then a look back at our preseason power rankings and just things we hit, some lessons learned, things we missed. And then the bulk of the episode is Josh and I are going to be doing a playoff preview. We have assigned games to one another. Josh has three. I have three. Josh and I have picked our own winners for each of the game. We've made our own prediction. We haven't told each other who we're going with. And we are presenting one statistic that will represent why we believe that is the winner. And we're doing this in fourth and goal fashion. This is a bit that I did last year, I I think (laughs) at the beginning of the playoffs, maybe wildcard after wildcard weekend. Um, But those three games that we have each picked will be our first three downs. We have to convince the other person via our stat and our reasoning uh, of our winner. Um, If we get two of our three downs, let's say, are successful by convincing the other person to pick the same team as the other, um, then we're in the clear. We did a great job. Uh, But we do have a special fourth down in the event that that is not able to happen, and that will be convincing the other person why – One non-playoff team will make the playoffs next year, and that is um, also to be backed up by a stat. But if I know Josh, it's going to be more about the heart, so we will see what happens when we (laughs) get there. So first to kick things off, like I mentioned at the top, let's start with the news. Yesterday, so today as we record, is Wednesday, January 10th. Um, I believe it was Tuesday the 9th, if I have all my days correct. Mike Vrabel was announced as being Fired as the Tennessee Titans head coach, not stepping away from the team, not mutually parting of ways, not being traded to the New England Patriots or any other team. Mike Vrabel fired as Tennessee Titans head coach. Josh, what did you think of this when you first saw this news?
1: Yeah, I might, the Mike Vrabel one surprised me. Um, and not that I'm thinking he's the greatest coach of all time, but I just don't you know, we talked a little bit pre-show. I think he has been coaching this team up higher than their talent level, higher than where they would be with a number of other coaches. And I just figured he was building the culture. And then when they hit on one of the quarterbacks, I mean, they've taken Malik Willis, um, Will Levis and, and, and then, you know, maybe that's why maybe they're looking at it and saying, well, you had two young talented quarterbacks and maybe, maybe now that's the reason that would actually make a little bit more sense, but, um, you know, you hire Mike Fabrell and you go in with uh, Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry and the old school running offense, and that's how you're going to win games. And they got to the playoffs with that. Um, you know, I mean, you could look back at the the loss and the the Bengals Super Bowl year run where they sacked Joe Burrow nine times and still couldn't pull out a win. Like there just wasn't enough firepower. I never really put that on for Abel. and so I was, I'm I've always kind of been in the camp like he's one of those hard-nosed, old-school old, old school guys that players love to play for. You know, you, you have the culture. You're not tanking. Everyone's in order. Everyone's working hard. And, you know, I kind of felt like they were just a couple pieces away from, from being legitimately competitive instead of just, like, nicely competitive, decent at times and, you know, kind of a playoff team. So that one threw me off a little bit just because I didn't think that – I didn't think that this was the year for that one. But I don't know. That's That's kind of where I stand on it.
0: Yeah, it was super. I mean, super aggressive the way it came out. To like I said, I mean, um, we've been monitoring it. I'd say for the last couple months, really. Once the Belichick stuff started heating up, I think everyone got really excited about the idea of Rabel to the Patriots. And there was, there's been some rumblings for a while about how he is um, perceived within the building. And I'll get to some of the notes from the the initial press release that was came, that came out by ownership. Um, but I think when the Belichick stuff started heating up. There was a lot of dot connecting, and you know he was just he was just in Foxborough for being announced to the Hall of Honor, and you know everyone's like, oh, he said we about the Patriots, he's coming to the pit, like getting really (laughs) excited about it, um, and I always just took it as like, okay, what's sort of the classic we think a coach is moving on or getting fired? Well, the team's not doing that well, and there's another place we would like to see him. So it just felt like too much narrative, too much dot connecting for me all year, um. Our boy James over at Bite Size Sports is a big Steeler fan or a big Titans fan. Sorry, slip of the tongue there. You know the Titans up and Steelers getting playoffs. Everyone, everyone loves. <laughs> each other. Um, but James was was on the same page. He was like, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I could see what it was just weird all season. Yeah. Um, and then for it to so so the order that I would have expected had Rabel been gone, what it to look like would have been number one. Rabel has told the team he was resigning from the position, right? he He's just fed up with it. You mentioned the quarterback thing. We'll get into that. Yep. Second would be, eh, they're at odds about how they want to move forward with the, with the team, and the Patriots came calling, and the Titans are trading Rabel to the Patriots for a first-round pick, right? Because then it's like, it's a middle ground. You know, we would have kept him, but we got this offer, and he was interested, so we just did it. The last thing I expected was straight up the Titans fire Mike Rabel. So I want to pull up this press release here. And it starts out like this. This is from um, Titans Ownership. Quote, as the NFL continues to innovate and evolve, I believe the team's best position for sustained success will be those who empower an aligned and collaborative team across all football functions. End quote. That's the first line of this. So basically, (laughs) we want to do new stuff. And the best way to have that happen is for everyone to be happy and feel like they're important and feel like we're on the same page. And my mind immediately went to the image that's uh, once again being recirculated on Twitter. Mike Vrabel pissed off in the draft war room when the Titans trade AJ Brown for Traylon Burks, which
1: oh sure, yeah,
0: has not happened, uh, has not worked out for Tennessee. Um, and it's just right. like so. Basically, basically, this saying we want. And you mentioned old school running style football, right? Like Derrick Henry makes this big announcement at the end of the Titans game. It seems like he's gone. Brian Tannehill, pretty much, has said he he thinks he's going to be gone. Um, the the era is changing for the Titans, and it yeah. felt like Vrabel was holding on to this old era as long as he could. And it it feels like the team was like, we can't do that anymore. And he he either wasn't on board with that idea, or that included him. It was like let's wipe the slate clean. Right. So we're just we're ready to fire you. Do you think that that first line you read? Do you think that says something? is
1: very like this is how i picture him i have no evidence if this is actually how he is but it seems like very much of my way or the highway guide you think that reading into that you kind of get the vibe that he probably didn't want to get he didn't want to take feedback from outside front office people he was you know you yes you make all those transactions you make the draft you do whatever but once you know once training camp starts this is my team and i I coach them up, and, and I don't want anyone kind of getting in my ear. Um, and I I wonder if that part is part of it. And the other thing, like that, we talk about this old school thing. Didn't they go from Jeff Fisher to Mike Frapple?
0: There was a couple guys in between. Uh, was a couple, there? Okay, a couple okay. former O line guys. I'm pretty sure. Mike Clarky, okay. oh, Mike oh, Munchak. Right. Yeah. Aren't, weren't those both O line coaches? I Malarkey think so. O line coach Munchak definitely was. Yeah. Ken Ken Wizenhunt was in there for for oh, a boy. little bit. A quick. <laughs> okay. A quick like three and forty two record in two years yeah. or something like that. Because um, I just
1: because I, I remember that Jeff Fisher exit wasn't wasn't pretty either, and it oh, just it seems not? like if if you are going to be innovative, like. What, how long are you to go with these old guys so maybe, but i like you said there were some guys in between so i guess that's not that's not a,
0: a completely accurate statement but. i think many people would like to just think about this one from uh, jeff fisher to to mike Brabel. that's for sure <laughs> th- th- that was a rough 7 years in between um, you know i also think about you you talk about like uh, like like being able to innovate and being able to like who wants to be in control right team fired their last gm who, who was it john john robinson john Robinson. um mm-hmm. just like a year and a half ago and to us that was a part of that aj brown trade at the time i remember talking with ben right. parker uh, about it on on the statue podcast and it was The fallout from that happening, and John, John being the the GM, the front office guy, saying, "Okay, we can't pay all these guys. We can't pay Tannehill forever, Henry forever, Brown forever. We're gonna have to start. Okay, I'm gonna draft Malik Willis. Okay, yada, and like Rapel didn't like that. So then there was a power struggle when things went backwards, right? Because it was Mm -hmm. like, man, you know, it would really help. Uh, Malik Willis try and develop if you forced me to have him would have been AJ Brown right right you know what really or Corey Davis who got signed away by the Jets right. um, you know it would have been great instead of getting Malik Willis getting another offensive lineman because Ryan Tannehill has a broken ankle <laughs> and so it felt like there was a power struggle and then Robbins was out and then Mike Brave, and then they bring in this new GM uh, Rand Carthen who, who comes from the 49ers who in his introductory press conference Went and stopped talking about running the football, you know, something that you and I love as pseudo <laughs> old guys when they talk about That's football right. on a podcast together and then are the exact opposite <laughs> off of this podcast. Um, right. And so we were like, oh, he's a frable guy. This is great. And then like as more and more stuff started to come out about him. And again, he, he comes from the 49ers tree and, and it's just like, no, this guy's pretty like uh, 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 deals in analytics and, and pretty forward thinking. He He's part of drafting Will Levis. And so I was like, maybe the Titans are just moving. They're just moving in a different direction. Neither Rabel wasn't on board with it himself or he wasn't invited on board. And so now it's going to be about bringing somebody in. I would assume that the first question uh, in their head coaching interviews is, what do you think of Will Levis? Um, Because I'm sure the team has a directional focus on give Levis every chance. So, the right. person coming in is going to have to be on board with that, I would assume. I wouldn't think that this would be a let's hire a new coach and who yet needs another new quarterback, but I guess we'll see. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think, I think that makes sense. And I think that, you know, I, I mean, it's it's just bad optics for the Titans to draft another quarterback this year. That's, that's high. And, and, and again, if, if Will Levis isn't it, then you got to say, screw the optics. We got to go for something different, but, but still, like, I mean, <laughs> Back to back picks or back to back first round back-to-back picks. Back-to-back. Or, well, yeah. I guess, yeah, it's just
0: bad. So, yeah, and it's a, it's a pretty it's a pretty interesting free agent class of quarterbacks or some vets. But of course, you like if you're moving on from Ryan Tannehill for that, yeah, you're probably you're probably drafting somebody. Or there are some guys that might interesting guys that might be available uh, on the trade market. Well, that's all off season talk. But there, there's our reaction of Rable. It's a whole lot of uh, wow. And where. We're not going to do this for every team tonight. Although I try to convince you, where would you <laughs> like to see Vrabel? Because he's not going to stay unemployed long. Where Where would you like to see him go?
1: Oh boy, um, you know the it's the the it's hard to get the Patriots out of my head now after you mentioned yeah. all that stuff. Um, but the thing is, with with all the titles that that Bill Belichick won, I feel like they can't. I don't know how how they can really force him out. So if he if he wants to be back, like you know, he can be a. I'm sure he could get over there as a defensive coordinator or a, or a special advisor. I'm sure we'll get into that with Pete Carroll here in a second, but he's going to be a special advisor somewhere. Oh. Um, oh, Mike Rabel. I wouldn't mind. I, you know, I'm thinking of, I was listening to the sheet actually today and I, you know, I think Ben was talking about Ben Johnson from Detroit going over to Atlanta with that mm-hmm. earth of weapons. Like mm-hmm. I, I think Rabel would do well there with, um with with the weapons they have down there. I think Rabel would be good in New Orleans. I don't know if they're gonna get rid of Dennis Allen or anything, but I think he'd be good there. Um I I just I feel like again, I'm not super in tune with Titans football and Mike Vrabel, but I've always kind of like respected how they how they operate. And so I think he'll do pretty well regardless of where he goes. Um and yeah, like you said, he won't be unemployed long. Um there's a chance he has to take a like a DC job or something, but but he'll get scooped up unless he wants to wait it out for head coaching job for next year or something. Like if he wants to sit out and just wait to see which which coach tanks it in the upcoming season, go from there.
0: I was waiting to see if you were gonna say waits it out and goes on TV for a year. But for some reason, I can't see Mike Vrabel going on TV for a year. No, maybe Maybe he no. does the um, Taylor Luwan and Will 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 Compton. What's that that guy's name? Anyways, that their their yeah, podcast. Will They'll yep. have to make the bus a little bit bigger, I think, if he's going to be there full time. <laughs> it was a little tight when they had Fred on that, that first time. Yes. Um, yes. My, I'm mean, at some point, uh, I'm going to do a full thing on this, but I know a lot of people have have linked him to like, okay, culture, right? Because he's a defensive minded guy, right? So like those mm-hmm. guys are always the culture head coaches when you when you hire them. Yep. And so you're getting the the Washingtons and the Carolinas and and all this stuff and. I, I just don't think – and I think he proved it to us in these last two years. I don't think he's the guy you want with a, a young rookie contract developing quarterback. I think he needs to go to, like, the most win now situation, um, which obviously, like, that kind of takes New England out of it. And then there's the whole yep. Gerard Mayo side of it. Like, if they're actually going to move on from Belichick, it feels like Mayo's been waiting in the wings. Yep. But at the same time, if you got Belichick out, you got the however many Belichick sons are on the mm-hmm. defensive staff out – Maybe there's a world where it's like Vrabel <laughs> yeah. goes as the head coach and Jerome Mayo officially gets to be the DC and he gets to do that for a year and yep. then is a head, but it feels like he would he's he's next in line to be the head coach there, and again Vrabel that that'll be a young quarterback situation. Yep. My favorite and I know one Jim Harbaugh is heavily linked to this team. Uh, Ooh, congrats on the national championship, say. the Los Angeles Chargers.
1: Say. Yes, I just thought of that. You're I, right. could e- the, I could I could easily see
0: Vrabel. Calling up Buddy Arthur Smith, who's also available, mm-hmm. and they go to the Charger. You talk about a team that needs a culture reset. I mean, they need like a a superstitious cultural like commune with the ghosts reset in that building to get all well, the bad out of there.
1: After they trim that expensive defense down, they're going to need somebody to coach up some some young guys or some slightly less talented but really smart players. Like they're going to need a variable to get them fired up. But but him with Justin Herbert, a proven. Proven top. Flight he's, ar- he's already got
0: the guy. Think I of, do love that. think of what Arthur Smith did in Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill and like mm-hmm. the play action style offense, and then put in Herbert, who's just like fifty times better than even peak Ryan <laughs> yes. Tannehill was. Yep. Um, and, and yeah, let let Rabel do what Raheem Morris did with the Rams this year. Give cut. Cut all the expensive guys. Give them yeah. a bunch of young, hungry dudes who are just going to fly around and hit people and let them. Oh man, I, yeah. Um, yep. I like the idea of, of Harbaugh with Herbert. I think, but I, I that's where I see the optimal Rabel yeah. fit going oh, going yeah. there. Yeah, um, put him, put him as head coach
1: of the Chargers, and we're going to be right back to putting the Chargers in the top five of our preseason power rankings next year. They will
0: be. <laughs> third my man they will be i will play a card right now i'm just like i'm a placeholder rabel and justin herbert we need to sound three.
1: like that you need to start sound biting some of the things yeah, we that, say so we can that, follow up on it that, yeah,
0: that that's gonna be there uh, all right let's hit the next news item here and that is um p carroll this just dropped yeah. today th- th- this afternoon um p carroll out as the seahawks head coach he's gonna maintain some role within the organization that's the weirdest part of this whole thing oh, yeah. um Rabel Rabel I'm still on Rabel uh Pete Carroll <laughs> Pete Carroll out as Seahawks coach uh yeah. Josh what were your first thoughts when you saw this um I was a, a little surprised but not
1: as surprised as the Vrabel one I was a little surprised mm-hmm. in that um you know he he also kind of got I don't want to say bum luck like Geno Smith hasn't been pretty solid, but he also like like they've they've had haven't had the best quarterback situation after after Russ necessarily. Um you know, and they've you know they've drafted well. They've to to me, like not this this year I was pretty fully on board with the Seahawks as a as a kind of a quality playoff contending team. Last year I wasn't at all, and they kind of impressed me last year. And so um so I think he's doing a good job. I think The reason it doesn't surprise me is he's, I always forget how much older he is than he looks. Like, he's one of the older head coaches in the league. And I think, and this this is going to sound really weird, but I, like, when I chew gum for like 25, like more than 10, 15 minutes, my jaw starts to hurt. And when I watch Pete Carroll on the sidelines and, and see how it's games, I'm like, how is that dude chomping on a piece of gum still? Because, my job would be just so sore. Like it's it's a and it kind of bothers me too. I don't know. It's a weird again. Sorry, I, this is completely off the rails already. But I I just don't like like I don't understand that. But I think I think that's why he's staying on in a in a in some sort of like special advisor role. I hate that. Um, just pay him a a fake contract. I don't care. Like what 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 is a special advisory role? Like he's gonna sit in there and be like that's not how I would have done it, or, or or what? I don't like. <laughs> I don't understand that. Like the the Minnesota Twins, um, couple like bunch of years ago, started hiring all of their like Tori Hunter, Justin Morneau, like all these guys just started to stay on as like consultants. And I was like, "What? You're just paying these guys because of the years they contributed to the team?" Like, fine, it's your money, do what you want. So I've just I'm a little bit done with that whole special advisor thing. But to to me, this this kind of screams more mutual departure. Like he's getting up there, he's old, but he also is seeing the fruits of his labor, you know, drafting Devon Witherspoon has to feel good. Like, you know, they have some of these great pieces. Kenneth Walker's fun to watch. Zach Charbonnet's fun to watch. Like this team is still fun. This team is still competitive. And to, to me, it feels like Carol's a little bit old. They need to get some innovation in there perhaps. And he probably saw the writing on the wall like this. I don't know how many more years I can be sideline coach guy. And so I think this this feels like it's best of both worlds. He gets to still be a part of the team, part of the team culture. You know, the guys he brought in get to see that he's still there, committed to the Seahawk cause or whatever you want to call it. And then the Seahawks brass get to bring in somebody new, get a little, some fresh looks at, you know, play calling and things like that and kind of go from there. So this, especially because he's staying on, in a in a special advisor role doesn't feel like a negative, really. It just feels like a, like a technicality, but again, this is with no. I have no insider information. This is kind of just a, you know, gut sense that I get from from seeing that after he's fired, but he'll still be there. <laughs> you know, when that's the headline, I'm like, okay, sure. We'll still be chewing gum from a box this time. We won't see it as much, but,
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you know, um, I think this is. I think this is bananas. Just like super. <laughs> Super strange. I mean we had Pete Carroll just – I think just yesterday. I didn't like spend time trying to piece it all together with the press conferences. But his most recent press conference, he was straight up asked, do you still feel like coaching? And he said, yes, I'm not tired. Like I I have all the energy and excitement to continue to do it like I have had every single year. I want to keep coaching. I'm excited to keep coaching. When it's it's this sort of – thing right this moving to the front office in a special advisory role it's usually I'm very old and I'm tired of coaching Mm. but like you said I'm still very committed to this team and being a part of it and I don't want to leave the guys out to dry and like yeah like I have such a great relationship with the owner which he does um that whatever you need me to do if you want me to like be like and maybe special advisor is just for like contract talks with existing dudes so they have a guy that they really trust right i mean like bruce arians is still with tampa as a special advisor um and that was very much a like he's like dude i got my super bowl tom's retired like i'm i'm good i I just need to go play golf all day um and i'll (laughs) show up to games and i'll be there for when the coaching staff needs some help or whatever um so so all that was to say that uh, this doesn't feel like what happens when what we think happened with Pete Carroll happens with Pete Carroll. <laughs> he's he didn't want to stop coaching. Right. So so he's fired. But he's not fired because he's still with the team. And if you get fired, like like if you're if you're at your job and your job is like, hey, we're gonna fire you from the job you're doing because we think someone else can do it better. But we want you to like stick around and tell us how you feel about stuff. So- Right. <laughs> Are you going to do that? Now, maybe you and I would actually do that because it's like quit my real day job just to tell people how to do my day job and still make money. Yeah, that sounds good. But yeah. coaches don't want to do that. Why? No. Like he, I would assume that he would want to go coach somewhere again. And maybe, there, maybe it was like, Pete, we know you want to keep coaching, but we need to go in a different direction. If you want to go find somewhere else to coach, you can go somewhere else to coach. And he was like, I don't really want to do that. I don't want to move, so I'll just stick around. Right. But at that point, like, Pete, my man, just go retire, bro. Like, stop. Like, just be a DC at a high school and work 20 hours a week. I don't, you know, I don't know what to, like, it it just feels very strange. Now, in terms of reasoning for it, right? Because, like, the variable one, we we kind of got to the bottom of it. They want to go in a new direction. I don't think Seattle necessarily wants to go in a whole new direction. But what I, the reason I can think of, the only reason I could think of with this right now it's just the other night on Stat Sheet podcast. Um, ben asked me to think of teams for Wink Martindale to go. The DC mm-hmm. from the Giants, and my top two teams were the Seahawks and can't even remember now who my own favorite team was for for Wink Martindale. Anyways, uh, the Seahawks. <laughs> won, and then I came uh, talked myself into a circle about well, he's going to go there because our struggling defense. But is he going to be able to overrule Pete Carroll, who's, you know, the defensive, you know, architect of right. the Seahawks defense mm-hmm. for the last 15 years? Um, no, probably not. So is it was Seattle front office ownership thinking, man, we've had this defense that's been declining for years and years and years, and we can't bring in any new ideas for the defense because Pete is here. He doesn't seem like the guy that would like block – that sort of thing right he loves like raising other coaches and stuff mm-hmm. but did they just feel like their their defense wasn't going to get any better and like the Geno contract is uh i think one more year guaranteed but like still pretty easy to get out. so like you know let's just maybe do this one year early instead of one year late i don't it was very weird like the Rable one was shocking um and and kind of like stop i mean this is this is very shocking too just because you know he's been there so long he's won the super bowl you right. thought it would be on his terms. They they were good this year. If it weren't for yeah. the Gino and Kenneth Walker injuries, they're probably in the playoffs. But, right. um, the the circumstance is just strange for what's happening right now.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree with you for sure. I think that you know, in in terms of, you know, there are certain teams every year where any casual fan can look at and say, well, their coach is probably on the hot seat and probably going to be done. Um, you know, and. But like you said, for Pete, Pete Carroll, he had the pedigree built up. He's got a title there. He's got an actual Super Bowl there, and their rebuilding hasn't been like two and fifteen seasons. So like they're 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 legit, and yeah. So I I agree. It's definitely a little bit weird. So I don't I don't. It'll be interesting to see what what news comes out, if any, about you know. If I doubt any any juicy details will come out about what happened, but but who knows what he'll what he'll do in his new role. <laughs>
0: I'm scrolling through right now, just just very basic on PFR, looking at their defensive rankings for the last few years, and it's, I mean, yeah, it's it's bad. So this yeah. might just be a, but that's also just that just seems so silly. Like, yeah, we'll we'll talk about we'll talk about it here in the Mulligans coming up, but like uh, defense is important, but it's not the like predictor of what's going to happen for your season. You you would think you could right. just getting good players and letting him coach them up because the, the guy still loves coaching. Um, but it's been yeah. a while since they've had a, a, a good defense. All right. Well, you said it best. Well, I think that's the one we'll get more news, more things coming out as, as the days come and, and we'll just have to wait and see. But let's yep. get into the meat of this podcast now. We're going to start with our mulligans for our final 5.0 power ranking. Um Josh, I'll let you kick it off, man. Um, I'll, I'll pull up the list for for everybody. We'll we'll kind of run through it real quick. But what um what was what was your number one? Well, I, I think we both have a couple. What was your number one thing that you're like mm, that I would maybe take back from our our power rank?
1: I am going to actually start with my number three because it's a team that we've Ooh. given no credit to all year. So I feel like they need a little bit more, you know, premier airtime. I feel like. The Arizona Cardinals should have been at least three or four spots up. And that's a big deal for the teams at the bottom that we hated on. So <laughs> I feel like we jobbed them a little bit. They're not, they haven't looked that terrible. I mean, they beat, they beat the Eagles, right?
0: My, they beat the Eagles. They beat the, Eagles. they hung 30 on them, didn't they?
1: Yeah. it sound, it sounds really weird to say out loud. That's why I caught myself. Um, <laughs> you know, really they lo- it did. Yeah. And, and since we did the last, rankings they beat the eagles and they lost to the
0: seahawks by one point in week 18 um, in a game seattle obviously needed to win e- exactly to try exactly. and yeah. have hope
1: and we're looking at the team i'm looking at the teams above them i mean maybe you know the giants sure but the jets the chargers <laughs> the giants the Patri- also beat
0: the eagles <laughs> <laughs> true true <laughs> Since we so last
1: we'll, we'll leave we'll leave the giants alone then but above them are the patriots chargers and jets on our on our list and i think all three of those teams I mean, the Jets beat the Patriots, but we don't care about that. I mean, I just, I just feel like, it, in 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 my more obscure mulligan, I feel like maybe the Cards got kind of, you know, stuck in the thirties because they were there all season and they don't deserve to be much higher than that. But you know, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to put them into that murky middle ground yet. But, but I, I think they deserve a, a smidge more respect. So I figured I'd get them first on my list just so we can. We can say we acknowledge them, I guess, if that makes any sense.
0: <laughs> well, that was um absolutely obscure. Um, so, <laughs> I so good on you for that. We did have them at 28 at one point. Um, we did. That was at the early November. Early November? Was that it? No, it was the before that? Wow. We had them. In October. Look at that um above, above the broncos raiders well, panthers and bears
1: i think the october one would have been after they upset the cowboys probably right yep i think and we would it. have been like josh we would have been on the josh dobbs, or we were both on the josh Dobbs, josh dobbs train because you were on the dobbs
0: train i absolutely pre-season, was. so, too, so. I, I absolutely was um when it comes to the end of the year one we even said being the end of the year, a lot of this is vibes, and a lot of it is, like, what's yep. the culmination of the whole year leading up to right now? And, man, I think you got to say the Cardinals, Yeah, <laughs> despite the 4-13 and record, had a great season from a vibes right. perspective. Like, yep. oh, we thought Jonathan Gannon was going to be a horrible head coach. Seems like he's at least pretty good. Um, it seems like he's got a good OC in the building. We know – like Kyler's their quarterback, and I was dead wrong on that all year long. Um, mm-hmm. and, and like you, they, yeah, have, they have their quarterback. You weren't, the only
1: one, you weren't the only one either. I mean, it it just looked like one of those situations where they were going to manufacture reasons to keep him on the injury report, and so they could trade him and and mm-hmm. get that taken care of. Like, I yeah, I don't think that's not one to to take an
0: L on. I don't think because that it is kind of weird that just finished the season, trying hard, playing well, and
1: like, well, there we go. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think I I think you're I think you're right. I think we could have at least gotten them back to 28, if not, uh, I'd say ceiling at 26. Um, yeah. So yeah, well, and, good, good on and, the Cardinals.
1: And I and I will say because I apologize for throwing this super obscure. Like, why would we talk about the Cardinals right now? And people listening are like, why are you talking about the Cardinals right now? Um, but it it kind of speaks to that super murky middle where there's just so many teams that we don't really like like now the teams that have made the playoffs i think we can rise them above a little bit um but the teams that just missed the playoffs i don't know if we feel too much different about them so there's just this murk in there and so like Mm -hmm. from ranking you know from ranking 13 to 24 like i don't know if mulligan is is there's not a lot of mulligans there even if we're like four or five spots off where we think we'd have them now it doesn't feel like mulligan because they're so they're so close together and in mediocrity that you know i was trying to look for for something that stood out a little bit to me, and I, I would – I guess I'm just giving Cardinals – the giving the Cardinals some credit for standing out a little bit. Of season.
0: If we had to change the exercise purely to, like, who feels good right now, they mm-hmm. would be top 20, oh, which, yeah. again, oh, yeah. is very strange to say. Here, yes. here you go. Here you go, everybody. Josh and I have been waiting for a time where we sound like <laughs> super soft snowflake millennials, right, talking about football because that's who, what we actually feel about ourselves. And there yes. we are. We just yes, said we the are. Cardinals, who won won four games, should feel good about themselves. So that's we're, right, back, that's right. we're back, baby. We're back. Here's my mulligan. You were you had a nice sappy positive one. Let me let me get negative on you. Don't my number good. one mulligan of all all five podcasts we did is I let you very sneakily <laughs> and and slyly talk me into the Dolphins at three in this last power ranking. Josh, you had been high on the Dolphins all year been low on the Dolphins all year. I mean, they were never, ever, ever actually low in our ranking. I think the lowest they were was, what, sixth? Um, except for maybe the preseason one. Um, yep. Scrolling back through. Oh, they were at nine in the preseason. Um, and then we we saw they they had a running game and and the defense looked, you know, we were excited about Vic Fangio and Jalen Ramsey was coming back. So we bumped them up pretty quickly into that top five where they stuck most of the year. Our second to last ranking, they were sixth coming off of that game against the Cowboys. And then we got to the end of the year and we set our top two. We spent like 30, a good 30 minutes on Ravens Niners. And then I had this weird thing about how I felt about the chiefs. And then all the other teams we had kind of in this group, I had dropped the Eagles and I just, but I didn't even buy into what I was saying about the chiefs a lot. And I felt bad about it. And then you were like dolphins at three and you kind of pounded the table. You did a good, good little uh, rant about them (laughs) And I remember being silent for what felt like a couple minutes and I was probably rambling and I just went with it. And man, did I, I felt bad after, after the podcast about it, we watched those two games that they had since then. I watched two of those horrible interceptions against the bills. And I was just like, this, there's no way this could be the third. Pass. And th- they sustained even more injuries in the last two weeks of the season Tua gets more banged up. Tyreek gets more banged up. Bradley Chubb goes down for the year. Um, I forget if Xavier Howard had gotten hurt at that point already. They lose their backup linebacker in Week 18. They lose another corner. Oh, Russell Douglas got hurt in that game. I think he's coming back fine, though. Yeah. Um, and just like vibes are so bad for the Dolphins man right now. And, and just two was bad. And I uh, just disgusted that they are at three in our final power ranking. So that would be my main change. I would, I would get them back down, not even like out of the top 10 or anything like that, but I don't know, like five or six. Is I, kind was of just, I, I was just, I was just going to
1: ask, I was just going to ask you, where would you drop them to? Because that.
0: Well, let's see here. I need to, one team that you were higher on than me, and I didn't make this a mulligan. Cause I like still feel okay about it at the, from at the time. I probably was too low on the Lions. Mm-hmm. So here here was our top 10 for, yep. for everybody at home uh, And 5.0. It was Ravens, Niners, Dolphins, Bills, Cowboys, Chiefs, Eagles at 7, Lions, Browns, Seahawks. Okay. I would probably have Ravens, <laughs> Niners, Chiefs, Bills, Cowboys, 3 through 5 somewhere. Mm-hmm. Then I make. Might do lions at six, dolphins at seven. Now that I'm looking at it, God, that's my six, seven. Okay. Rounds, eight, Eagles nine, and then and and then you know confirmation a bias on on Seahawks kind of bouncing out of yeah. out of the top ten, but for sure um, that that's kind of where I would stand. Yeah. I'd probably put them at six or seven.
1: Okay. Well, I will. So I'll concede defeat here from a logical standpoint when we get to playoff matchups, I'm going to tell you why there's still reason to believe in the dolphins and you don't have to worry about me convincing you of any rankings because we're not ranking it that way at that point. so <laughs> I, I will give I, you I, my, my outlandish reasons why, because they're not basic, but I still believe the <laughs> dolphins. And so <laughs> we're talking before the show. I did uh go check out bite size sports. Everybody. I did a bite po- size sports. Shout out bite size sports. I did a power rankings of the playoffs and I kept a level head. And I put the Dolphins at seven, factoring in the 56-19 loss to the Ravens, which is inexcusable, and I can't even use my heart to <laughs> explain away that one. Um, and then the loss of the Bills was bad, and is making some bad throws. They're, they're, the juggernaut of the offense is really on the downturn, or just, it's just pedestrian, Maybe not on the downturn, but it's just pedestrian and – that their calling card was an elite offense and they're down to like two edge rushers on their roster. Everybody's injured. And so I don't, you know, they, they need Melvin Ingram basically to rush the passer like 90% of the time this weekend to have any chance. And, you know, I think he's up to the task, but we'll
0: get into that. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) I didn't. in that whole rant, I didn't even mention hmm. that they got their tails handed to them by the Ravens. Can you imagine my face when I saw that and just yes. five days coming off of me yep. letting them be at three? And I was just like, this is what – I knew this. I knew this, and I did nothing. If if, just... if you're a listener of this podcast and you listen to all the Power Rankings episode, which first off, thank you because it – and I've said this to Josh off air. It's the best episode that I that I have uh, of the season, and it does very well. So to... thank you all for listening. Thank you, Josh, yes, for coming on. thank you on. very much. Um, but Josh w- was very polite in, in five podcasts – or four podcasts, I should say. And and you know what? He was like, you know what? I'm going to go with you on this one. I'm going to go with you on this one. And he lulled me to sleep. I did. And then he found the opportunity to pounce and put dolphins at three, and I'm t- just fuming over I'm here. Surprised
1: you, I'm surprised you invited me back on after that <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just needed to yell at you. This is your last appearance. I just had to yell at you about it. Yeah, fair, Thank fair. you, Josh, for your services. <laughs>
1: Fair enough. No, you're, you're 100% right. And I don't have any logical basis to believe in the dolphins into the playoffs. Um, I'll give you some random things that I think about later when we get to the playoff matchups, but um, from an official, from an official mulligan standpoint. um, Yeah. I think we got to take a mulligan on that one. Um, You know, you're, you're frustrated, but imagine what it's like to be me who went to bat for the dolphins constantly and, Said they're going to hang with the Ravens and it's going to be a showdown of the AFC elite, and then they just get just wiped wipe the floor. Um, so anyway, yes, we that that is definitely a mulligan one, and I'm going to use a segue because you brought up this team already for another mulligan. Um, it's not really my mulligan. I was going to ask you, are you ready to get on the Motown machine? It sounds like you are. It sounds like it sounds like you are ready to move the Lions up a little bit with that uh, with that offense heading into the playoffs.
0: I am. Did you hear that Chevy ad from pro football reference? No. Okay, great. No. Cause that was just like a 30 second ad that I, I checked on my tabs and I couldn't figure out where it was coming from. Um, <laughs> okay. shout out no, pro I football reference. I'm gonna yeah. leave that oh, reference yeah. in there. Um, yes, I, I am in on the lines now, although we'll talk about it when we get to the, 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 the final Badgers, segment. Yeah. Um, but yes, I, I think, I, I think the, that was actually one of mine that I should have had the yeah. lions above the Eagles. Um, and so, the way they so.
1: the way they lost to the Cowboys, we don't need to get into all that drama anymore. I think that's been covered enough. And you guys talked about it really well on uh, you know on stat sheet and stuff too. So I think that's that was that's been covered. But you know they're arguably the better team in that game. Maybe um, not saying that the Cowboys are bad or anything. It was a pretty pretty
0: close matchup. So yeah. Um, did you have any other ones? Um,
1: not really. Um, I started. I re- I had a really hard time thinking just in the last two weeks, and I got. had a lot more fun going into looking at our preseason rankings after that so i i have no last couple week mulligans partially because we had all those teams that were just kind of in the mark Um, Mm -hmm. and you know even the last couple teams that made the made the playoffs versus the ones that just missed there's still not a huge difference between those teams the records were all pretty close and so from a mulligan standpoint you know um you know the only one i can really think of but it's not even just the last two weeks and that's why that's kind of why i didn't include it here but I mean, we need a mulligan on the Chargers. Um, oh gosh! At, at some point, <laughs> we need a mulligan on that because we
0: we self cor- we corrected. We correct. We did.
1: We did self correct and and we we dropped them that dropped them quite a bit. So that's that's why we like we didn't really need a mulligan there. I'm just that's more of a preseason one. So um, I
0: had so yeah. I had two I had two small okay. ones here. Um, and trying and, and this is me checking in on if this is recency bias. Could we have flipped the Jags and the Texans at twelve and thirteen? in in 5.0 they they were they were tw- jags were 12 texans were 13 and again if if you haven't if you didn't listen through the power rankings josh and i tried to be very like hey this is about these four weeks we're trying to not like completely sway too far one way or another so going into this power ranking when we moved the jags to 12 and the texans to 13 the texans were rising up one spot mm-hmm. and that was just coming off of like CJ shot had just come back from his concussion. They were starting to look like themselves again, but they weren't as electric. So they didn't fly up the ranks and the Jags that that was them dropping four spots, which is fairly significant, uh, at least when you're in the top half of, of our power rankings throughout the season. So it, it felt like a pretty significant move. But mm-hmm. at that time, could we have obviously we should have uh, with hindsight of the last two weeks, could we have made the Texans and Jags flipped at that point, you think?
1: Yes, I think that I think that's a fair mulligan, and I and I mean I think it would have been made easy for us without the Stroud injury. I think that that's that's yeah. what we're because we were dealing with the Texans that I believe were two and two at the time. Like mm-hmm. we were impressed that they were winning, but it also it wasn't like they were dominating. And and when right. when when the rookie quarterback is you know as good as Stroud has been, and and you know was the reason why we're so high on the Texans, he's still a rookie quarterback, and so you can't just count on him coming back from injury and being being really good again right away and we also that episode talked a lot about toughness of trevor lawrence we talked about Mm -hmm. um doug peterson teams it it's mind-boggling to me that that jacksonville dropped so hard at the end of the season like i'm very surprised that they didn't get into the playoffs considering where they were yep um and so yes i think that's a good mulligan because we we should have been lower on the jags i think that was another team at the time we were kind of just like well they're gonna write this ship enough to get to the playoffs and then if they're healthy enough, they'll be okay. But, you know, I think they just they, – they lost it somewhere along the way. And We probably should have – we could have seen that better, I would say. So I, I definitely think a swap there is is a mulligan I would be able to get on board with.
0: And then not to stab you through the heart a little bit, but I want to hear how you feel about this Vikings team at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. For me, I held on to the Vikings, so we kept them at, what, 14, I think, to end the year. We had them in that range pretty much all year, the, like, 12 to 16 range. And what actually kept them there for me for so long was the rankings of the defense. I mean, top 10 defense by so many things. I think they ended fifth in DVOA defensively. Um, What – did we fall too much in love with the defensive side of it and ignore what that quarterback situation was, and should we have – leaned on that a little bit do you think now now seeing how the year ended did we did we prop them up too much because of the really good defense or were we correct in doing that having them in that ending at 14
1: yeah um i definitely don't think they needed to be higher i don't think they would have been too much lower i do Mm -hmm. think we i do think we gave too much credit to the defense um and the fr- the frustrating thing about that is that I, I still I don't think it had anything to do with Flores. Um if you watch the you know the Packers game, mm-hmm. you know, and, and there's another mulligan now that I'm thinking about it. We, you know, partially probably because of my bias, I've been keeping the Packers really the Packers' expectations really tempered, but they finished six and two. Um they went from three and six to nine and eight with with some pretty quality wins along the way. And so um, you know, gotta give some respect there, even though it's very painful to me for, Painful for me to do so, but in the Vikings-Packers game, week seventeen, you know, you have Jordan Love has receivers wide open, wide open, and I don't know, it it seemed so open that it had to be somewhat of a scheme issue. But if you watch closely, there was a lack of crisp, crispness. Um, you know, I mentioned Cam Bynum on this podcast early in the season as being mm-hmm. just a lights out tackler, lights out, right in the right spot. He seemed to have lost a step. Caleb Evans, who a guy I've been high, high on since he was drafted,
0: mm-hmm. same. Mm-hmm. He
1: seemed very. I, I don't want to. I never want to question a player's effort because I'm not out there, and I I have to assume that they're all trying. That's how I cho- choose to be a fan. Um, but there was something about him not being in the right spot, not reacting in time, not doing certain things. Byron Murphy was out, and so there, the secondary especially looked really exposed. Um, you know, and I think we. You know when DJ Wanham gets hurt, he was the complimentary edge rusher to Daniil Hunter. I think that that was a bigger loss than we thought because we signed Marcus Davenport hoping to have some extra edge rushing help and he amounted to nothing. He was injured, he didn't get a lot of snaps. Um, you know, so I think I think the, the writing was on the wall, and that's why it's gonna be a really big bummer if we lose Brian Flores. Cause I think if he gets another offseason to bring in some players, because guys like Makai Blackman, who we drafted, has shown a lot of promise. Um, you know, Ivan Pace the undrafted undrafted mm-hmm. McGee, who basically let our team attacks. us he's undersized for sure and that's always mm-hmm. going to be his issue but he's also a net positive on the field all the time um you know if we find a way to sign Daniel hunter like if we bolster those pieces with floors i think we have a chance to be really great i think we started that way really great um but it did seem like a collect it, it almost was like a collective whoever when our, when our offense has the ball they're going to turn the ball over and <laughs> And it's gonna be it's gonna be really demoralizing, and that's that's kind of what our defense looked like at the end. So yeah, I think we gave them a little bit too much credit even into the end, because we, you know, because you know, to, in our defense, they still controlled their own destiny in the playoffs, and we still had them higher than the Packers, and so it made a lot more sense that they were gonna win, beat the Packers, maybe beat the Lions if they, but they also didn't rest any starters, of course, because Dan Campbell doesn't do that, so they have to play to win all the time. We didn't get the the benefit of that, and so. Um, so yeah, I I definitely think we could take a mulligan there. I think at least dropping them a couple spots when you look at the teams right behind them, you know, Steelers, I would put above them. Colts, I would put above them. Um, the Bengals, maybe not. They kind of have had their little run in the sun, but we have the Bucks at 18 now they're in the playoffs. It's hard. I mean, it's hard to look at it now with teams actually in the playoffs, Mm -hmm. but, but I I think it's a very fair mulligan. And also probably it's fair to say the Packers should have been higher than 20 in our final.
0: And, um, yeah, maybe maybe it has to do with, like, the separation between those teams specifically. And not that I was necessarily thinking about the the Packers. I, I actually wasn't even thinking about them when it came to this. But um, – and this will actually lead to my to, – I think into our next um, segment here. Mm-hmm. But for the Packers, they were just coming off of – they were, what, one two and two in the last four games before we had done the podcast. Uh, the wins against the Chiefs and the Panthers – they just given up thirty points to the Meek Panthers offense, right. and they lost to the Bucs and to the Giants, and like the vibes weren't great. But I think the degree of separation between the Vikings, who are a very good defense and a bad offense, badish offense, mediocre offense, turn too many turnovers, kind of offense, right. um, and the Packers, who are a good offense but just a really bad defense. I think that maybe that's more the issue, right? That that seems to be a good tempo for. Maybe it wasn't that the Vikings were necessarily too high, but they shouldn't have been that much higher than the Packers. And that leads yeah. me to let's let's use that to go into looking back at our preseason power rankings and how mm. we did and kind of a lesson learned. And the first lesson I have, I love looking at like the splits last year from from last season when we did our preseason of like, OK, top the best offensive teams by DVOA, the best defensive teams. How does that relationship kind of meld? And I'm not breaking any news here, but offense is just more important to than, yeah. than defense. The top ten teams by offensive DVOA this year made the playoffs. All ten of them. So if you have a top ten offense, you're making the playoffs. Defense, right. only the only six of the top ten defenses made the playoffs. Right. So, and four so so and out of those six only one of them didn't have a top 10 offense and that was the Pittsburgh Steelers so <laughs> which is just like so Steelers um that is so which is so frustrating but leaving that so you're talking about 100% right you're batting a thousand if you have a top right. 10 offense this season you made the playoffs and if you had a top 10 defense you had a 60% chance but guess what you you probably also needed a top 10 offense to make that happen so those are just your good teams the, those two that overlap for so sure. when i look at the packers next year and i look at the vikings next year and teams like them if i'm projecting a team to have a good offense that's going to matter more than a team that has a good defense which i think we knew anyways but uh for yeah. further evidence to that yeah for sure um so looking back at our preseason rankings josh you said you spent a lot of time doing that what, what did you what did you kind of see um
1: the first thing i wrote was the bucks refused to be team 32 and that still bothers <laughs> me just <laughs>
0: I can't wait um, to track next year if we get to do this again your preseason rank and match it up to the vikings week 1 opponent and just see <laughs> where you rank them uh,
1: seriously if you need confidence you know start against
0: <laughs> the Vikes at home like <laughs>
1: um, but i did i i did try to expand and, and put a theme attached to it because they, but the Bucs still don't make sense to me, and my rankings for for, uh, for bite size, I have them as the second-to-worst team in the playoffs. I have them just above the Packers, and it's because they beat them head-to-head, head. but outside of that, I can't see this team winning anything, but who knows? I mean, it's just really weird. Um, so I said one of they're one of the many teams that proved to me that you can look at all these advanced stats, and I can we can dive into the stats, and it's very interesting, and it's fun to see trends and to try to pick reasons why teams are the way they are, but they they're positive in the turnover margin. They have an above average defense. Like they don't even have a good running game, which is my stick in power rankings 5.0 teams that have good running the like, uh, Rashad White hasn't been great. And the the they're yeah, averaging like 3.4 yards a carry. They're dead last. And I'm gonna talk about that when we get into the playoff <laughs> matchups a little bit. But like like uh you know this team just doesn't seem to make sense to me. But they protect the ball. They win the turnover battle. They make some plays here and there. They have some playmakers and somehow you know they're also in the worst division football so that 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 has to go for something as well um but that's the first thing we refuse to be team 32 and then turnovers 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 you look at some of the slides that some of the top teams that we've been looking at especially the eagles their turnovers in the last few games have been crazy high um and it's just it's such a momentum swing it's such a missed opportunity when you don't get points and when the team does get points such a big swing like it's you know that, that makes me sound like an old person again, right? You take care of the football and win football games, right? Like that's that's what I sound like right now, but it's it's true to an extent, you know? So that's, that's the first thing I wrote down. Um, since we talked about this team already a little bit, I'll, I'll mention the Chargers again, that we learned that they are inexplicably bad. And I say inexplicably because I still think Justin Herbert's like a top three, top five, Quarterback talent,
0: and he I know is, he got. Hurt. And you're not he wrong. Got, you are not wrong right, in that. I want to well, confirm that to you. He is. I, sw- I swear, everybody. I swear. <laughs> I promise. Right,
1: and that's like it's. But when we look at our preseason rankings, like we just we kept. I mean, then we, we, we kept trying not to overreact. I was like, well, when are they going to turn around? And so, I'm hoping that the coaching change is what happens. I mean, I obviously, got hurt at the end of the year too. But, but I still believe in, in Justin Herbert, and you know it could kind of go into another thing that we've learned is, is you need a quarterback that can make plays that aren't even when it's not there. You need a quarterback, you know, kind of goes to why you're not so big on Tua um, in Miami
0: <laughs> and uh.
1: um, and why, you know, another thing i put here, sorry, I'm going through my whole list without letting you spot, letting you speak. I hope you're okay with that, but
0: I love it. I'm
1: great. But they all just segue so perfectly. It's hard to stop. <laughs> God, I'm just um, so
0: good at this. I just, I just, I, no, it's,
1: it's, it's <laughs> so nicely. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no i think uh, you know we get to take our cj Stroud victory lap which we've done a couple of times mm-hmm. over bryce young and and there's something about cj stroud where he, he makes plays he he had that off his back foot throw to nico collins that you know you hate when that happens you don't want your quarterback doing that that's why i threw through so many interceptions and other guys like you love it when they do it well You know the whole "don't do that, don't do that." Oh, nice play Mm -hmm, when it when it's mm -hmm. complete. Like it's one of those, but he does that stuff and he's got that it factor. And you know, and that that's kind of why I think that you know the Chargers maybe under some new coaching, a little bit refresh with Justin Herbert. Like they should be, you know, they're they're. I can't understand why they're so bad. The defense was statistically bad and things like that. But I just it doesn't make sense to me why they weren't. Especially the state of the AFC West with the Chiefs having a down year. If I'm a Chargers fan, I'm furious that we didn't find a way to put it together this year when we could have could have taken the division for once and and really made a made a run. But you know that's history, and I'm glad I'm not a Chargers fan. I guess, because but... my my team's so much better. So <laughs> <laughs> I have no problems um... in Minnesota. <laughs>
0: Just like the Chargers in our power rankings, it was funny whenever I would go on to pro football reference and I would want to click on their page and I would, you know, you hover over the AFC West box and you instinctively look in the second spot to find them. Right. And then like every few weeks, you just have to keep going a little bit lower and you were like, what's happening here? And yeah, I mean, five wins last from the division. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what lesson to take from that.  … Um, because it wasn't even like I—I I don't think you were in this boat either. But I definitely wasn't in the boat of like, oh, I think Brandon Staley is going to get fired. Like, I didn't—I nope. don't think that at all going into this year. Um, nope. I thought it like it—it it was going to be if there was another disappointing end to the season. But like, and of course, by by the time he needed to get fired, he got fired. He needed to be fired. But
1: right, right,
0: we could like it, it wasn't something I went into the year saying was going to happen um so yeah i have no no idea i have no idea how to explain (laughs) what happened um it's just the curse of the chargers uh but yes justin herbert is good you mentioned cj Stroud. here's my first lesson i didn't even write this one down but kind of looking back here just as as we were talking and this doesn't fully apply to to both teams that i'm going to mention here but i'm gonna i'm gonna cheat anyways feel free a good rookie quarterback if you if we like a rookie quarterback like who, whoever we like by the time we you and i do all of our draft stuff and we we hear the stuff that we're hearing from training camp and we see what we see in however many preseason games we watch if I have good vibes on our new starting rookie quarterback i'm giving that team a bigger bump than i would mm-hmm. than i did last year right um here's where here's where we rank the these teams and this will tell you because remember i was we were both on Stroud more than young I was also on Anthony Richardson above Young. Um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I got a lot of flack for that from some fellow box score network podcasters. Um, and I feel <laughs> very good about that still. But here was how I ranked the team how well at least how we collectively ranked the teams in the power rankings. We had the Panthers at twenty five. A lot of that was on the back of the defense. We were really excited Correct. about the defensive pieces yep. and Jared <clears throat> And my God, that did not work out. But anyway, so no. the Tech we had the Texans <laughs> at twenty seven, we had the Colts at twenty nine end the year and remember i was not feeling good about bryce Young. to end the year we had the panthers obviously at 32 we had the texans at 13 as we mentioned so up 14 spots from preseason and we had the colts up to 16 up 13 spots so yes i know that um and the only played what like five games yeah but i think when you have the guy in the building it just like lifts everything else. And when you pair that guy with the right coach, and and I think we I think we knew D'Amico Ryans was the guy. I think Steichen, we were pretty sure was at least going to put together a good offense. So we even going to Gardner Minshew, if that was going to be a possibility, we should have felt that. Um yep. but I just think I just think the vibes around the team and the expectation, the way you play and the way you're coached, if you have the right guy in and you feel confident in that coach quarterback pairing that team we, we're we gonna have to start that team higher than the um patented like eh, it's a rookie quarterback so we'll wait and see um right, right. i think we're gonna have to give more credence so if we like the situation caleb williams or drake may or, or even jane daniels falls into next year that team shouldn't be low just because they're a rookie quarterback
1: right
0: right right
1: no i, th- I think that's i think it's a great lesson to learn um because I, I wasn't even fully confident in my CJ Stroud. Like that's why I keep running back this one victory lap I had amidst the season of L's because, I, <laughs> because I'm, I'm basing, I'm still basing it off one combine highlight I watched on YouTube where he it just, it's so effortless. It's one, one of like, you know, the old classic basketball phrase, poetry in motion, like watching CJ Stroud throw a football. This is too lofty of a comparison for now. It's like watching Ken Griffey Jr. Swing a baseball bat or something like that. Like, I like, like I said, too too lofty. But but when you watch it, it just looks right. It feels right. Yep. It's aesthetically pleasing. And then coupled with the fact that he's a gamer, I mean, there were even people before preseason that tried to come out and say, well, he's not really mentally into it all the way. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Did you see his face on the sideline? When That's insane. Goodson yeah. dropped that dropped that fourth and one pass against the Colts. Like, this dude wants it. He's in it. He doesn't want to come out. He took a big shot in that game, too. And mm-hmm. I, remember, I remember whoever I was watching it was like, he should he should really go to the sideline watch that hit or something like like he's he's out there balling and it's it's really cool to see and and yeah I, that's why I, I had I didn't have confidence in my own eye test with him because my eye test has been proven wrong a million times but um, but but I think you're spot on yeah I think that the the day of the well rookie quarterback is going to take a couple years right the day of a guy needs to sit for a while is I think those days are gone because yep. especially the way contracts work and you know when you your window to compete, you don't really have two, three years to let a rookie quarterback get, get situated because they have to get then signed again. And you have to worry about your, your weapons and your vets and stuff. And so um, you do want to draft a guy that's as pro ready as possible, which, you know, Carolina's you have to live with that, that, um, you know, I'm not saying Bryce young can't turn into something, but he's a brilliant college quarterback. I'm not sure he's going to be, you know, startable or starting, starting level quarterback in the NFL yet. So,
0: do you have any other um thoughts looking back at your preseason rankings or our preseason rankings? I just I don't know. I did this a
1: couple of days ago and I was really snarky. So mine are like mine are like joke ones. I'm I'm looking back through I'm very sorry. I got backup quarterbacks would be the fourth highest paid position, but starting quarterback, edge rusher, and left tackles is what I wrote down here. Like I can't I can't believe how many backup quarterbacks we had to watch this year. I had And I'm sure it's probably not the most for some reason, but I'm like, it's wild to me how many teams had to resort to their backup quarterback. And it's always been like the the position that doesn't matter until it matters. But, you know, I wonder if that's like, in in all seriousness, obviously not the fourth highest paid position, you can't afford that. But in all seriousness, like teams are going to have to reevaluate their starting quarterback like the Jets would have loved to evaluate the starting quarterback position prior to this season. Right. Cause even if, even if they, if they had any doubts about Zach Wilson, like you're going to roll Tim Boyle and Trevor Simeon out there. If, if, if Rogers gets hurt at 38 years old, which is likely, you know? Um, And so, you know, I, I think, I think that's, that's, that is something we can take away from this is that a backup quarterback, like Jake Browning, the Bengals mm-hmm. fluctuated a ton because he, you know, and I think actually, um, I don't know if it was Collinsworth or no. I know you knew I know I told you I don't really like Collinsworth. He kind of drives me bonkers sometimes, but it might have been him saying like you have to have a backup quarterback that's willing to still be mm-hmm. fearless enough to throw the ball yep. downfield. I think that was him. And and that was actually a good point. Like you you can't have a check down machine or check down artist anymore at backup. You can't have the game management manager anymore. Um, you need to have a back record, but I can sling it, um, even if it doesn't go well. Like you have to go for it. Like the Vikings should have stuck with Mullins.
0: They should have taken That's 400 right. yards, That's four that.
1: picks a game, because it gave us a better chance than you know yep.
0: the Nick Mullins archetype.
1: Then sixty passing yards and an interception. Like you have to, you have to kind of look at that. Um, that that was the next one on my list. Do you have another? Do you have another one? Or I, I have a few more I could.
0: Um, let's see. Obviously, we were too low. Collectively on the 49ers but again we we corrected in that so I like I yeah. look at the preseason ones and, and as long as we caught up I th- I think I'm okay because it depends mm-hmm. what our process was for the preseason day now we were wrong <laughs> yeah. because you know? yeah. we, we I think we ended up putting them at like 10 which was yeah very low i i, I think right. that was a you thing not not to, that was not amazing thing, fingers yeah. or anything um, I, I
1: tried to put him at 12 in our preseason
0: so but obviously i didn't push back that hard because i was like yeah let's put him at 10 i'm, yeah. in, I'm into that i don't believe in brock purdy and, and look there he was um yeah i actually have a biggest comment. oh go ahead
1: i was just saying yeah i have a comment on my notes because this is where i was i was mixing up my mulligans versus our preseason ones i had chargers or 49ers as a maybe for the for the mulligans like mm-hmm. but and I think part of that is because like you said, we did correct ourselves. Like we right. admitted that we had the the 49ers way too low. Um so it's not like we tried to keep them at like two weeks ago, it's not like we tried to keep them at eight or nine or something, you know.
0: I think I think my my only other big one here, it actually goes back to the defense and it's because and, and like I, I thought this about the Rams to a degree. I, I had a ceiling on their defense because of the the mm-hmm. players on the roster, their name the names on the roster. but I like the vibe of what their defense could be. But I'm gonna I think going into next year, I'm gonna look more at who the defensive coordinator is than who are nice. the names on the roster. So for example, we had the Ravens at 12 going into the season. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that, for me at least, was we all thought the offense would take a little time to come together. It didn't take that. It, it only took like two weeks, um, right. which obviously was – was very and, and we propelled them very quickly. But a lot of them being mm-hmm. at 12 for me was the defense. And, and my my Ravens buddy, uh, Ben Lawson, who's been on this podcast, it's blasphemous for me to say, but I have a Ravens buddy. Um, <laughs> even he was like, I hate this defensive roster. I don't think this is going to be a good defensive roster. But if you have the right D.C., and they do now. They're not. They might not next year. Mike McDonald might be gone, but yeah. you know you get Justin Madibuke's career year. You get Kyle Hamilton playing like an all-pro <laughs> safety when when he's healthy. Um, you get uh, the off-ball linebacker positioning mattering again, which I do love, even if it is for the Ravens. Roshan Smith and and Patrick Queen just balling out in the middle of that defense. Right. You get. 30 plus year old Jadavian. Clown. I don't know if he's actually 30, but spiritually, uh, for the he NFL. He is 30. Headless. Yes, he is um, 30. And who, who's the other one on uh, Van Noy, Kyle Van Noy? You get them having like Noy, yeah. resurgent career seasons in, in, uh, at 30 years old. Um, you get that when you have that kind of DC. So, and then looking at your Vikings, like we had them at 16 in the preseason, and that was on, we thought it was going to be a good offense and a bad defense. Mm hmm. Well, we should have just said, "Hey, Brian Flores." I mean, I, when they hired him, we said they're going to blitz now. It's going to be fun. And it's like, you know what? what? It was more than that. Like you should so when I'm when I'm assessing defenses next year, looking at this preseason rank and then comparing it to where we're at now and and what we saw in the defenses this year, I'm going to look way more at who is the defensive coordinator. I'm going to look at that first and then care about the players after that because i'm gonna expect a good if i think it's a good dc they're gonna coach up the defense to do enough
1: yeah for sure i mean you had gino stone having seven interceptions and he might have been a good prospect i didn't know who gino stone was before this year um mm-hmm. you know and he, he had a, he had somewhat of a breakout in that regard like yeah that that totally makes sense Yep, yep. yep. Any,
0: um any other big ones for you not really
1: i mean i in. In keeping with the Ravens theme, I did mention that if Lamar Jackson had any critics still, um, those have been silenced. Um, and he have reason to have critics, but because of the offseason hoopla with the contract and what seemed to be a little bit murky at times and was representing himself and, you know, it didn't look like the Ravens were willing to dole out the cash. Like all that stuff, when all that dust settled, he's still an elite talent at quarterback and um, and that goes a long way. Um, obviously, and so you know that, but that's more of a obviously a player specific one. I don't know if I have any other team ones, or you know maybe I, mean, I did write that we gave Belichick too much credit by having the Pats at twenty. Okay. And I think I was that, just
0: looking at the Patriots. I was. Just I, looking I think at that like
1: you know maybe I take away from this, I learned that you know even the best coaches of all time need talented rosters and that's partly partially on him right it's partially on him for not finding a way to have a quarterback outside of mac jones and Bailey happy but um but i think you know they were at 20 because they didn't look exciting but if if they weren't coached by bill belichick we would have had them probably in the mid-20s at the highest and only because they they had a, a defense that on paper that was really good but i don't think starting them at 20 we would have done that and so i think that even top level coaches need to be you know held accountable um Mm -hmm. if if you know they're not going into it with what we think but you know kind of the inverse of what you said about the defensive coordinator right like a a top defensive coordinator is going to net them some spots in the ranking just because regardless of their talent and maybe a head coach shouldn't be just given credit based on past success because you know, it's it was we got and I think partially I just got so used to penciling in Brady and Belichick, Brady and Belichick. Like mm-hmm. you just you get into that habit where they just buck all the trends, and so you're like, well, it's still Belichick, still Belichick. You can't picture him having a losing season, really. You know, so yeah, that, that's probably something I'll look into next year as well, a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I love that. Um, all right, let's get into our last segment here of the day, and we are going to be doing our preview so again i explained this a little bit at the top but let's refresh so josh and i are doing a segment called fourth and goal uh josh and i are going to start by previewing the six games of super wildcard weekend josh has three games i have three games we will present one statistic with an in our notes here um as to why whichever team we pick will win we have to use that statistic to convince the other person that that's going to be the winner um if we each get, if whoever gets, if we get too successful, um, we'll, we'll just say if our downs are successful, right, our success rate is 67% or higher. Um, we don't have to go to fourth down. If one of us or both of us do have to go to fourth down, if we're on opposite ends for, for that many games, um, our fourth down is a team that's outside of the playoffs, why they will make the playoffs. And we have to present the case for that. We'll probably do that anyways for fun, but you know we'll see if we have to get the fourth down. So, Josh, without further ado, um, give me your first one. Your I have the Cowboys, Packers, the Lions, Rams, and the Texans, Browns. You have the Steelers, Bills, the Chiefs, and Dolphins. And what's your NFC game? What would that make it? Uh, oh, the Bucks, the Bucks Eagles. and Eagles. Gross. Yeah. Um, all right, start wherever you want to start.
1: All right, I'll start with the two seven in the AFC. I'll get the I'll get the tough news out of the way for you, Simon, and that Great. is yep. that the Pittsburgh Steelers are not going to advance
0: past the Buffalo Bills. What? Um, How dare you! How dare you!
1: But um, you know the Bills are hot right now. We talk about vibes. We talk about them going into this game with a big with a big win over Miami. They won the division when we kind of all thought they were tanking again like they had their weird lull in the middle of the season that you knew was happening knew it was gonna happen and they were weren't gonna get stuck there all season but uh I know I wrote them off so I was I was a worried they were gonna make the playoffs for sure and now here they are winning the AFC East over the you know the best team in the league the Miami Dolphins which is weird and so it's it was surprising but they they did it they got the two seed they get the home field advantage and I just don't see Pittsburgh going into um into Buffalo and winning, and my stat is because is that the Buffalo Bills are fourth in the league with three point eight red zone attempts per game. Um, now normally this stat wouldn't mean as much. The Steelers are one of the best red zone defenses in the league, um, but they also give up they're like twenty first in yards per attempt or yards per uh, yards per pass attempt. And so I just feel like what's going to happen, even if the Bills have some turnovers, which we probably expect them to have, I just feel like there's going to be enough chunk plays for the Bills to get in the red zone and the Steelers defense is going to tire out. And, um, I also wanted to, uh, this is more than one stat, I'm sorry, but I also wanted to harken back to beginning of the season. I think I mentioned that I wanted that Josh Allen has never rushed for 10 touchdowns in a season. He's got nine once or twice. He's gotten seven or eight, a bunch. Do you know how many he has this year? I don't, I predicted he'd have at least 10. He has 15 rushing touchdowns. Oh my gosh. Isn't that ridiculous? <laughs> That's insane, really. Yes, he does, and you, I, I would. Everyone can double check that because I didn't believe that either. Because I thought that was kind of like a bold prediction. Because I was, um. I was on the train. Like Bills are gonna try to tame him a little bit, try to make him not do so much running, where he's gonna take a lot of hits. And I don't know how much are you know, push push one yard QB sneaks. There might be a few of those, so I'm not trying to say that. You know they're all like nice scrambles or whatever, but we saw it a little bit in the Miami game, the Josh Allen scramble to be to win games. is there. Um, so we, when you couple that with the frequency that I think they'll be in the red zone, I think they'll be able to build a lead. And as good as Pittsburgh's defense is, they're going to be without T.J. Watt. Um, I think it's official; he's out for the, the weekend game. Right? Yep. With the yep. MCL sprain, yeah. So he's out. Um, and so I just I think they're going to get tired up. Of- being on the field. I don't know if the Pittsburgh offense is going to be able to run well enough to, you know, to eat up enough clock to keep Josh Allen off the field and so the Bills will be on the red zone even if they have to settle for a couple field goals. I think they're going to put up enough points to put this game out of reach. I don't think it's going to be a complete blowout, but I think the Bills will win without too much drama. Your thoughts.
0: Um, yes, I I love sorry. I was trying to sort my uh stat head filter, see if I could figure out how The distances of the Josh Allen touchdowns. Anyways, oh, that's, that, that is be, that's very. That would be good I, information. <laughs> I, I couldn't figure it out. I'll, I'll, well, I'll try to do that at some point. Um, yes, I I like this. I so on the Sheet podcast we did uh, a more surface level preview of like what the matchups were in each game that we were looking for, and I said the Bills' pass catchers versus the Steelers' back seven. Um, mm-hmm. Steelers have been beat up uh, at, at linebackers, so that doesn't bode well for the Dalton, Kincaid, Dawson, Knox matchups. I think if it's Patrick practicing full today, he should be coming back. Um, but the Steelers are one of those teams that do a lot, of, a lot of yards but are pretty good in the red zone, like you mentioned. They're also good at uh, forcing turnovers. But unfortunately, the Bills are also good at winning games even when they turn the ball over although (laughs) did you know josh allen for having what 18 interceptions this year only has three games where he has more than one interception in a game um which i found uh, very surprising that is surprising that said the steelers force turnovers and they don't have a great record um the bills commit turnovers they still have a, a good record so that's not Something I'm necessarily worried about when it comes to the Bills, but I agree. I think they're going to be able to move the ball. Um, and I care, and I care more about that stat. They're like they're they're really good at at getting chunk plays, and the Steelers aren't good at defending, um, hmm. like creating short yardage, right for their for their own offense. They do um, uh, allow yardage to be gained on them. Um, and I do think it's just like the Steelers aren't going to win in a shootout. They, they have to keep the score low. Um, although Mason Rudolph apparently can get you at 300 yards and and 30 points, but (laughs) yeah, no, no TJ watt for this team spells big, big trouble. Um, so I'm with you. I think the bills are gonna be able to move the ball. So that down for you, I will deem a success. I I would love to get on here and be one of those people that can get on podcasts and just be a Homer and give, um all the optimism in the world to my team. And there, there are, I could, I could sit here and give you all the avenues that a win could happen. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think the bills offense is just going to be too much for them.
1: We could, we could just end by celebrating that Pittsburgh finished 10 and seven and somehow has this winning, winning season streak. I, this will never not be impressive to me that they, and not just a nine and eight one either. They finished 10 and seven. That's, that's something. And it's –
0: and then, of course, the negative side of me kicks in and it's like, man, what if you had won those Cardinals and Patriots games and you had 12 wins? (laughs) Like wouldn't that be crazy? um, The stat that I heard that's even – I think even more impressive than no losing seasons, which is impressive even though Steelers fans are sick of it now, is they've never had a meaningless Week 18 game. It's never – They've always gone into week 18 having a chance for the playoffs or week some, some
1: sort of mathematical scenario where they could have. Wow. That's that is and impressive. You, like,
0: that's, that, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. Uh, here here we go. Here's our soft snowflake millennial football takes. <laughs> that's what I that I care. I need that, man. I yeah. need my team to be good all the way through the year. Yes. So I get the four months of enjoyment because only one team wins the Super Bowl. So, you know what? If if exactly I have a, if I have a fun regular season and then for the last three weeks, which are the playoffs, I don't see my team. I had a fun time. Life, life, exactly. All exactly. right. Now that we've gotten that number two out of the way, um, <laughs> I'll start. I'll you. You mentioned my Steelers. I'll I'll go in your mm-hmm. division as well. Let me start. Cowboys Packers. Here's my stat. Okay. My stat is 190 passing yards for the Cowboys. Doesn't sound very big, and it seems kind of weird, right? What do I mean by this? Did you know that two thirds of the Pactor Packers' victories this season they've given up less than 190 passing yards so 6 of their 9 wins the opposing offense had less than 190 passing yards i did not know that's wild that's not that wild. guys uh, for people at home that's not very many um no. when i sorted passing yards on um, pro football reference i thought uh okay it's probably like 210 215 is, is the is the um line, you know kind of the the line where that matters no 190 um here are the teams that they played in those six wins where they gave up less than 190 passing yards. The Chiefs, we know what that offense has been this year. <laughs> Weeks 1 and 18, Chicago Bears, weird stuff. The Week 3 <laughs> Saints, which was like peak of their bad vibes or the start of their bad vibes, I guess. I'm sorry for this. The Jaron Hall slash Nick Mullins Vikings in Week 17. Yes. And then the Brett Rippey and Rams in Week 13, I think, when Stafford was hurt. So six of their wins came against like really meek – Offenses except save yep. for like the best offensive out of all that was probably like the week 18 bears. Um, but they just fired their offensive coordinator today. So like, it, <laughs> what does that tell you? Um, meanwhile, the Cowboys have hit 190 passing yards in all, but three games this season. So they've done it 14 times. The games that they did not do it were their week one blowout of the giants. Remember, remember when that happened? Yep. Remember when the yes. NFL season started with a 40 to nothing <laughs> primetime yep. game? Um, and then there are two blowout losses to the Niners and the Bills where they just like couldn't do anything. So I think it's safe to say the Cowboys are going to get at least 190 passing yards and they're going to win this game. How do you feel about that? Yes.
1: I am not going to give you any argument there. I when I when I ranked the Packers in the playoffs on for bites, I put them at dead last. Um, I'm impressed that they made the playoffs, but I think this team was not quite ready to be there yet to make any noise. Um and so that stat further enhances that. I didn't know that stat going into that's very interesting. That's a good obscure one to find for sure. Um, I think that Jordan Love has earned a lot of respect. He threw for 32 touchdowns this year. He's, you know, he's got a lot of, they've got a lot of good stuff going there, but it's a lot of inconsistency and a lot of youth, and they're not going to be able to stop C.D. Lamb for, I mean, C.D. Lamb might have 190 yards receiving on his own. And so, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, you know, I, you're, I, no argument for me there. I think that's, I think that's pretty spot on. I think the Cowboys will take that one at
0: home. And I did want to focus on the Packers defense versus the Cowboys offense um, as best I could, even though I think the Packers offense is going to be able to compete in any sort of shootout. But to find a pretty clear threshold for the defense, like if we give up this amount of passing yards, like we just can't, we can't do anything. Was was really was really staggering. Um, right. What's the next game you want to hit?
1: Well, I'm going to get my crazy one out of the way so that I can salvage some credibility after the fact. <laughs> so I'm going to go with the 3-6 matchup in the AFC and um can I break the rules a little bit? Of course. Okay, cool. What are rules? my 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 stats, I would like them to be about the Miami offense, but there are their offense is so skewed with how amazing it's been and how kind like it's it's hard to find season-long stats for them at least the where i look for stats i'm sure there's (laughs) if i really delve delve deeply into certain weak ranges i could find some but it's really hard to to find like or at least for me it was hard it was hard to find something that i couldn't say well like how much is skewed by that broncos game and how much is skewed by those other games where they just have these big um uh you know these big outputs of offense and so um so I, I'm i have a hard time giving you a stat. I'm going to have to lose my, lose my down. I'm, I'm so confident you can tell. But I'm going with the Miami at KC. Um, and my initial thoughts, I think this is a blessing for the Dolphins. I think that losing the division, because if they had won the division, they would have hosted Buffalo again. And, yes, they would have had a whole field advantage, but even in the game against Buffalo, there wasn't much home field advantage the miami stadium or hard rock stadium isn't exactly a a pressure chamber for for opposing teams like even how good with how good the dolphins have been i'm not saying there aren't head dolphins fans i'm just saying the atmosphere there isn't gonna cause false starts a lot and things like that so um i'm not not playing that they need the home field advantage what i really thought of was when they played the Chiefs earlier in the season in Europe and lost 21-14. And I remember thinking to myself, this was a good showing by the Dolphins. Um, Again, we'd like to see their offense be better because it's been better. Um, And you'd like to see them do it at the elite level against an elite team, but they didn't. But Mahomes threw for less than 200 yards that game, and I think they're actually a little bit better. I know their pass rush, we talked about it earlier, is, you know, do they have any guys that can rush the passer? So, yes, that's going to be a, a big... But I think that game was pre-Jalen Ramsey, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Wasn't he hurt back then?
0: It was either pre or right when or he was right. coming back. Yeah. Yeah. And so,
1: I think... I just feel like their their defense has, has been competitive. Not perfect. But I'm also not super high on the Chiefs offense still. Um, they, you know... They run the ball pretty well. In fact, another reason I was looking at stats is that the Dolphins and the Chiefs are both averaging like just in between 110, 120 yards in the past three games. Like their rushing yards are the same, their yards per attempt are the same. So they have kind of a, a neutralized rushing attack. Yes, the Chiefs have a much better defense. Yes, they have Pat Mahomes. Um, my stat was going to be red zone related again because Miami's second in the league with 65% TD percentage. If they get in the red zone, Mike McDaniel is just too creative, and they put up tons of touchdowns. And I think, you know, where the KCs is like 17th in the league in red zone offense. They get they do have to settle for field goals for for a variety of reasons. And so, um, while the Chiefs' defense is really great, and while Pat Mahomes and Andy Randy Reed aren't people you want to bet against, they still have yet to prove to me that their offensive walls are fixed. They still let the league in drops this year, drop passes, and. You know, in in thinking about the biases for our power rankings about you can't just give credits to coaches because they have been there, like part of me wants to say it doesn't matter. That's why I I ranked them at third best team in the playoffs. Like I basic based on pedigree, they won the Super Bowl last year. This is Patrick Holmes, the best quarterback football, et cetera, et cetera. But they haven't done it yet. They haven't like they've recently, I should say. Now, then you're saying, okay, so where's the love for the Dolphins? They also haven't done it much recently. I would point to the 96-yard punt return the Bills got in Week 18. Um, yes, they still scored it, but that was a big swing in the game, and it's pretty hard to have. You don't see a lot of punt return touchdowns, so I'm not going to throw that. I'm not going to. Um, I'm not going to knock Miami too much for that. That happens at times. So here's where I'm going to break this because I could give you my red zone TD percentage stat, but I don't think that's going to sway you. So I'm going to go off the, not off the cuff, but I'm going to go with my obscure thing that I can't prove and see if that convinces you. (laughs) Don't you believe that Mike McDaniel is sitting on like a thin playbook of special plays? Like when we get to the playoffs, we are going to do these things that people have not seen before or at a time where they haven't seen it before. We're going to catch people off guard. We're going to get Tyreek Hill in open space again, and we are going to put up, points again. We're going to combine our good rushing game with some really super secret plays that nobody knows about. Build a lead and then we're going to hang on at the end.
0: Does that so do actually to convince you? <laughs> uh no. I do I do like that point. I do like that cuz I'm sure he's got something. Um mm-hmm. Again, we we getting so many shout outs to the statue podcast. Um, yeah, yeah. my my matchup there on that was Lejarius Sneed versus Tyreek Hill specifically. Um, and the Dolphins can be sort of schemed out if you look at Tyreek Hill. He has his like big explosive games, but then he if against the right defense, he has games where they're they're matched up they they know what to do against them this yep. chiefs secondary is tried and true and and, and battle tested right i mean uh, they had all those young guys play all year long last year they win the super bowl um they're they're some of those guys are better this year the, the best guys are playing like the safeties are better this year um i think i i think there's probably going to be one play one crazy tyreek hill play um but I think Snead is going to have a good game. And I think this Chiefs secondary, and, and talk about an experienced play caller who's going to have stuff ready. Steve's Bagnola for, for those Chiefs defense, man. I mean, he's talk about like, look at the DC instead of just the players on the field, right? And, and that guy's going to have something for him. Um, your try is unsuccessful. I do not think the Dolphins are going to win, and I, yeah. I did I, – I love that you, you said, yeah. um, let me come off of this red zone stat because you know I was looking up their red zone stats for the last few games. Yeah. Still have been pretty good in the last couple of games, but, but only is. one red zone trip against against the Bills. They were one of one. Their percentage is great. The percentage yeah. has been great, but they only made it once against the Bills. and. Yeah. I think, this, I think this Chiefs team, man, I think they're going to get after Tua. I think they're going to get in his head. I think they're going to mess with him. I think they're going to make it hard to get to Tyreek Hill. If Jalen Waddle is playing, I mean, that guy's coming off a high ankle sprain. He hasn't played in a few weeks. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of Durham Smythe going on right now. Uh, if Raheem Mostert plays, he hasn't been playing for a couple weeks. Maybe that's okay for him. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're – tries unsuccessful well Dolphins let me ask you one
1: more question and then i'll explain why i'm not upset that you denied my try. my follow question do you at least agree that this is a better matchup for them than playing the bills again even if it's at home or no
0: i'd have to think i know it's if, hard to beat a team it's three a times, better but. matchup but it's a better scenario i think because i think if you had to go in and play the bills again who are just all juiced up and just beat you at home yeah. Or Well, I guess in this scenario, they would have just lost, right? So it depends how they would have lost. But either way, regardless, I do right. think this is a better scenario, whether like the X's and O's and, and true personnel stuff matches up better. I don't know. Okay. Um, But I do think the scenario of not having to play the Bills again one week after just playing them is probably a good thing. Gotcha.
1: Well, then the last thing I'll say is that I – I'm so far in too deep on Miami that I need to double down and predict that they win so I can make the cruelest victory lap when you guys are all wrong about my Dolphins, when Tua lights up the Spagnolo secondary. Um, because if they get beat, it's just going to be, oh, Josh is still just an idiot. Nothing changes, right? But if the Dolphins win, I'm borderline savant at that point. And so I think that <laughs> I think that I've taken my best possible route out of this mess right now.
0: You're just you're just playing playing the narrative. Angle. I refuse I to concede the
1: Dolphins. So so all right. So I I have a fourth down to try to convert later. You, or no, I not yet. I can no. You,
0: you you might get you might get though. You might get this, the see. This one. is why this is why I did this
1: this game second because this. There this you go. Was, I knew this was my weakest argument. The, the so. third down
0: <laughs> is going to be really important. Um. See, I know I'm going to get this one. So here here's my. Uh, let's also go back to your division. Sorry about that. Lions <laughs> right. Rams.
1: NFC Lions North is a great
0: division, so the, it's, it's totally it's understandable the, when you don't make the playoffs well, out of the North. So Probably the second best in the NFL. Um, I'm just going to come out and say I have the Rams winning this game, Josh. Um, Whoa. Whoa. The key matchup that I've been looking at is how will the Lions slow down the Rams' top two receivers in Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua. Lions have been perceptible, we'll say, to good passing offenses this year. It's their weakest phase out of everything, offense, defense, run, pass, special teams, all of it. They're 27th in passing yards and 20, and 27th in passing touchdowns allowed, and they're just 16th in pass defense DVOA. And then there's the Rams, who, albeit they are very balanced in terms of their attempts and what they do versus in run versus pass, um, they're a top 10 passing offense. Uh, they're 10th in yards and they're 9th in pass offense, DVOA. Once they get in the red zone, they run the ball, so that keeps their, their touchdown numbers a little bit lower, um, but still uh, top half of the league. So here's my actual stat. The Lions are just 3-4 and four when they give up over 250 passing yards. Now, I, I looked, and that is actually that is actually a lot. It feels like when you think about like the best days of quarterback performances, it's like 300 yards, so you would think more teams would do this only your dolphins average 250 or more passing yards in the NFL this season. Best team ever. Um meanwhile, they're uh, going back to the lines here. They are 9 and 1 when they give up fewer than 250 passing yards. So, okay. You 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 got to be able to throw on them to to beat them basically. Um the Rams have had 250 passing yards for 5 of the last 6 weeks, and the 6th week was Week 18, when Carson Wentz was playing against Sam Darnold, which I need to go back and watch that game for (laughs) the hilarity of it all. But so for five weeks to end the season before they rested their starters, rested Cooper Cup, rested Matt Stafford, pulled Puka Nakua in the third quarter, they had 250 passing yards. Um, I think Stafford, McVeigh, Puka, Cooper, they're going to eclipse 250 passing yards, and I think they're going to win this game. How do you feel about that?
1: That is that's a that's a compelling argument because that is going to be the if the lions won't be able to slow them down completely um the rush defense is pretty good i feel like they can mm-hmm. they can yep. hold kyron williams and company to you know a respectable performance i do worry about them getting carved up and i do think they're the lions path to victory is long sustained drives of their own and an aid and Aiden Hutchinson, like, welcome to the national spotlight day. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, I think they're going to need to get to Stafford, but I don't think that is as consistent as the Cooper Cup, Pukunakua, deep threat of the Rams, who are playing really well. It's hard. It's hard for me because I've been high on the Lions for two years, and I have, even though a division rival, because they've had so much less success than even the Vikings. I kind of always silently root for them if the Vikings are no longer involved um, just because I feel like the fan fan base deserves something there. Um, But I'm worried now because last year I completely ignored the Rams after they won their Super Bowl. They were so bad last year. I completely ignored them going into this year and they just keep getting better. It seems at the right time Um, going into the playoffs, like you said, throwing for over 250 yards um, against a Lions secondary that gives up. I mean, Nick Mullen just threw for almost 400 yards against them. Um and you know, JJ was back. And Vikings offense is good when you have a good thrower uh or a good good quarterback. So ah, I want my heart's telling me the Lions, but I'm not gonna be able to argue with what you said. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the Rams there. I'm gonna give you a, a completed second down. You might know, I think the Lions are a better team, but I just I think Yeah. It's a match I can't picture their defense if you're a they, tough matchup. And and maybe if I was a little bit higher on Jared Goff, but I mean, you know, one turnover could really make the difference in this game, and you know, I'm a little worried about that for him too. So, all right, I'll give you the the Los Angeles McVeys. I love it.
0: Um, By the way, your Vikings have the two highest passing yard totals on the lines this season. Um, So, congrats on that.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> Something to hang our hats on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> both both losses, but that that's okay. That's okay. Um, all right. Give me your third one. Give me Eagles right. Bucks. What do you got? So I
1: have the Eagles Bucks matchup, and the first thing I wrote was, "Wow, who would have thought I'd actually have to think about this one?"
0: <laughs> I've given that. zero thought to this game, other than <laughs> I hope I don't have to stay up too late before recording the statue yeah. podcast.
1: Yeah, it, it it's mind boggling to me. But Philly's in such a downward spiral that I did have to put some thought into it. Um, there. Let's see what. Are, so my gut tells me Baker's magic is done, and I have some stats to kind of back that up, which is why my pick is going to be Philadelphia. I'll I'll cut the suspense out of it. I think the Eagles take care of business here with the playoffs online, with the experience you know that they have, and 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 things like that. So. And part of the reason is Tampa cannot run the ball. Um, they're seventh in scoring defense, which is impressive, but they they can't run the ball very well. They're going to have to rely on turnovers, and which is again, it's not lining up with what's happening right now because Philly is turning the ball over left and right lately. Mm-hmm. But I have to think they will shore that up, knowing that they are going to be the superior team on the field. I have to think that that's the case, and that's why I think Philly will take will take this one, even though you know the turnover margin is, is completely flop. Tampa's ninth, Philly's twenty-seventh. They are on both opposite sides of the and so and 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 I I'm the reason I'm most nervous is because I've been anti-Bucks all year. And so the fact that I'm picking the Eagles means that they are going to light it up on Monday night and win a playoff game. Um my so my my stat is that because I actually wrote, so I wrote Philadelphia will win a close one. Tampa will actually take an early lead on a deep TD to Mike Evans. Like, I'm predicting that to happen because mm-hmm. I'm going to sweat it a little bit. Um, Baker's going to huck it deep early in the game. They're going to go up 7-0 on some, like, 48-yard touchdown pass to Mike Evans. And I'll be like, here they are, somehow, going to beat the Eagles. Um, but Baker Mayfield is still not, like... He's not super accurate. And I was trying to find stats to prove that because when I watch Bucks' replays back, when I watch their games back, they're winning games, yes. And they had a really nice stretch at the end of the season and they beat the Jags and they beat some of these other teams that we thought were, were at least decent. Um, but he's oftentimes behind his receivers. Um, I think Mike Evans is good to win a lot of 50 50 balls. I think that there's a little bit more luck there that should be, that needs to be. Kind of looked at. And so my official stat finally getting there is I found, I was looking at it. I think it's a fancy website, but per, player profile tracks the rating or like the rank and play in a quarterback's accuracy rating versus man and zone defense. He's 23rd versus man, 24th versus zone. I was trying to find Philly's tendencies and I could not figure out how often they're in man versus zone because I know their secondary has been leaky. It's the other thing too. Like, is I'm still thinking of Philly as this juggernaut defensively. And they're just not it. Like they have given up yards all year through the air and they've made up for it with a great front seven. That front seven is kind of dipped down, their sack percentage is lower. You and I have talked about that before. Like they always started their deep dominant defense, always started up front with the front seven. Um, so it was okay that they gave up yards the passing game. Now they're kind of all in flux, and yet <laughs> I think they can handle the Baker Mayfield-led Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't like his accuracy ratings. Um, some of his completion percentages during, with man are sub sixty. It's in certain metrics like it's he's not exactly being super precise. And yes, he's a gamer. Yes, he'll you know hit peak balances back just with the best of anybody if he makes a mistake. But this Philadelphia team is too good to lose to the Bucks, even in Tampa Bay. Now I don't, I'm not predicting Eagles to go on another Super Bowl run or anything, but. Because they get matched up with the Bucks week one, because of Baker Mayfield, because the Buccaneers cannot run the ball, I don't think their offense will be up be on the field enough. So even if Philly has a little bit of the turnover bug still, I think Jalen Hurts will have enough opportunity to make up any sort of deficit they fall into. And I just I can't pick against the Eagles. So that's what I got for
0: you. This is so this is so tough. Honestly, you're the the turnover stat. You gave us that that made me want to go the other way. The, <laughs> of course I did. <laughs> the Eagles are minus eight in turnover differential in the last five games. It's they terrifying. have 12 turnovers to four forced turnovers in their last five games. That's tough stuff. I did look up – I did I did quickly go through um, to get the on-target percentage from pro football references stat head. Um, and Baker is 20th um, out of uh, 35 quarterbacks who have thrown – at least okay. 200 passes. Um, he's close to
1: the middle of the road, then I suppose. So yeah,
0: I mean he de- definitely, I think matches enough of the eye test. Like and and for what his actual completion percentage is, right? Uh, it it doesn't. What is his completion percentage? Oh, it's also twentieth. Interesting. Okay. You don't see that too often. Um, interesting. Interesting. That is yeah. Interesting. It, <laughs> uh, his intended air yards. He's actually six in that, but a lot of that is those. You know, you get two or three deep shots a game to Mike Evans, and, and that helps. And that's what right. the Bucks' offense has been this year, the Broncos offense, the Steelers offense. Um, there was a time it was the Vikings offense where it's just like, okay, throw short, keep the ball safe, throw short, keep the ball safe, and then boom, let's get a deep shot in there. Yep. Um, so that's what that is for Baker. Anyways, um, in terms of – I also just – this is the one that I don't care about the stats. I don't – the Eagles can't f- lose to the Bucks right now, man. <laughs> and my gosh, if they do, it looks so bad for all of our takes that you and I have had all season long. We were yes. we were so high on the Eagles all season long. Yep. We were so low on the Bucks for a very long time. Yes. Um, the Baker Mayfield of it all. <laughs> gosh, the Baker Mayfield of it all. This Eagles stuff, man. It's it's really bad. But what I what I feel is just going to happen. Is they're gonna cut out all the bs they're they're not gonna you know they they spent all regular season because they had they always had a good record they're never in danger of really missing they were never in danger of missing the playoffs right so they could try to force other things they could try to do some of the stuff they did last year they could continue trying to throw the ball against blitzes when, when hertz isn't very good at it they could continue to try and force the ball to aj brown when he was double covered they could do a bunch of stuff now they're in the dance now they're in the playoffs and so it's time to just say let's just do what actually what, it does work this year and let's mm-hmm. just get back to running the football let's run out of shotgun let's do the rpo stuff Let, let's have hurts scramble around a little bit more yeah he's banged up but you know what it's time we're in the playoffs it's time to do it now um i think it's going to be a gross ugly win for the mm-hmm. eagles but i think they're going to quickly mess around and find out in the divisional round whoever they end up playing i, I just can't i can't see them losing but right. like you said i mean it's all lined up for them to lose in terms of the stats, the turnovers, and the receivers they're facing. Um, but I think with Baker, if they if something the Eagles still have been decent at this year, and I don't have the numbers on this, but is getting the pass rush up the middle. They haven't gotten the same number of sacks that they've had in the past, but Jalen Carter is beating dudes off the line of scrimmage up, up in yep. the middle there. Um, if he can have a good game and do that against that Bucks interior offensive line... Then you can get Baker moving around. That's when he gets himself into trouble. So we're going right. to test Baker's um, – we're going to test his willpower to stay in the pocket and take care of the football and not do too many Cleveland Baker things. Um, <laughs> I I, I want to give you unsuccessful just based on the, the stats <laughs> that you gave actually make me feel worse, but I agree with you in the sense that I think the Eagles win this game. So we'll okay. we'll give you successful because you have to go on fourth. Oh, wait. Oh no, I would have to for whatever. Uh you already said it. You already said it. Oh, I did. Okay. <laughs> You're, dang it. Messed up. <laughs> Successful. Yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna time my takes to, to saying Baker Mayfield's gonna win a playoff game against the <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles. I'm just not gonna do it. Um all right. Let me give you our last team, our last theme. I'm
1: excited for this one because I for the first time in our time podcasting together, I don't have like if I had to guess, I would guess one of the teams that you're going to go towards. But out of all the times we've talked to teams, I have a hard time deciding who you're going to pick here, which is exciting. So go ahead. Just to, right. I'm adding to the suspense.
0: I'm gonna then I'm I, my first line of my paragraph here is who I have, so I'm gonna skip that and try to see if I can build up the suspense. <laughs> so the Cleveland Browns are eight and O this season when they score 24 or more points. That defense is so elite. Uh, you're not scoring more than 24 points on them and, and so so if if the brown's offense can get 24 points or more they're undefeated 8 and 0 they're just 3 and 6 when they score less than that so there's a like pretty clear threshold where mm-hmm. if you can get to this number you're going to outscore this offense um on the seasons the texans have allowed 24 or more points 7 times and only 3 times since thanksgiving um one in that shootout that great shootout Jags game right the last probably the last good Trevor Lawrence game of the season unfortunately um Mm -hmm. the other one of the other ones was in that Jets game where CJ Stroud got hurt um and it was just raining and it was gross and Jets just ran the ball over and over again um and then the last time well it was it was against the Browns uh just a couple weeks (laughs) ago but CJ Stroud wasn't playing Will Anderson wasn't playing Blake Cashman the starting linebacker wasn't playing um, the only questionable defensive players right now are uh, defensive ends John, Jonathan Grenard and Jerry Hughes. A couple of rotational guys, good, but not what Will Anderson is for this team. Meanwhile, the Texans are 11th in the league in points allowed at just over 19 a game. Uh, they put consistently good game plans together. We saw them adjust well in that Colts game uh, in Week 18 um, to, to stopping the run in the second half. And this will be the second time in a month they see the Browns offense. Therefore I think the the Texans hold the Browns under 24 points and they beat the Browns putting the Browns at three and seven when they don't score more than 24 points in a game. Um, so I have the Texans winning this one. Uh, what, what do you think about that?
1: Okay. I think I was going to lean Texans. If you were going to pick Texans, yes, for sure. No, I, I agree. I agree with you. and I think it kind of, it also goes back to the fact that we, we think CJ Stroud's a dude. I think that, I think CJ Stroud's going to get sacked like 5 or 6 times in this game and I think they're going to have some bad drives that get stalled but they're going to counteract that with a big scramble, a weird deep play. It's going to be stuff that you say like this is weird stuff that happens to a really great defense. Um and then like you said, I don't as much as we love the Joe Flacco story and the deep balls to Amari Cooper, I have to think that the Texans will be will be ready. Or you don't you don't
0: love that story. Yeah, that I don't story. I don't necessarily <laughs> love it. I won't say I love it. Yeah. You know, it's a nice story, I guess. I don't I wouldn't say I kind I, I, I kind of
1: love it, but I I don't think it's gonna go very far. Um, you know and 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 normally in this type of a close four or five matchup, I would probably hang my hat on. Well, you don't really go with a rookie quarterback in the setting, but we just kind of talked about how that's something we're learning here. Is it's not, it's not as big of a deal anymore. It's not like these young rookie quarterbacks are are incapable of showing up in the big moment. And C.J. Stroud has proved he he had a win and in situation. So he, you know he he already did his must win to get to the playoffs. So he knows what it's like. And yeah, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you win your third straight on that one because I do like the idea of keeping the I I I don't know if I trust the Browns offense enough. And I might just be too high on CJ Stroud.
0: Here are here are the teams they scored twenty four or more points or twenty four or more points against. I didn't even really factor this in when I was doing it, but it makes me feel even more confident in this. The Week One Bengals, who mm-hmm. whose defense was really bad at the beginning of the season, um, the Cardinals, one of the worst defenses in the league, the Titans, one of the worst pass defenses in the league, um, and just had no semblance of offense at the beginning of the season. The Jaguars, who that was a solid defense, but had definitely had holes. And by the end of the year, that was week fourteen. Um, we we knew what those holes were. They, they, uh,
1: and the Jags gave up a ton of yards too,
0: especially in the end of the year. So we this is the most impressive one. Week six, week ten against the Ravens. Browns put up 33 points. But that was a weird game. There was a lot of mm-hmm. funky stuff happening in that one. But still, mm-hmm. they had put up 33 points. I think some of that was the defense, too, actually. There was that weird pick six at the end, right, or fumble recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, that, that would have been over 24 points regardless. The Texans week 16, I mentioned. The, 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 the Jets in week 17, whose defense had just given up by by that point. And then the Colts, yep. who just a oh, super weird fluctuating um, team up and down all season. So, yeah. like no defense other than that Ravens game which is obviously a top the other top 2 defense in the league but no defense here that I would say I think is better than the Texans defense straight up so yeah. everybody else I mean they they lose to the Steelers uh and and don't score 24 points they lose to the or they beat the Bears but they don't score 24 points same with the Niners um yeah, let's see the the Bengals again. Actually, they didn't they only put up 14 points in that game. Um, the Ravens, their second game, they only put up three points. So I, I, I the the teams that they put up 24 more points against weren't all that impressive as, as a defense. Right.
1: For sure. And I'm just looking at their turnovers now, too, as well. And they've they've only had one game without any turnovers.
0: Um, and
1: that just gets amplified when you have when you have Joe Flacco back
0: there as well. So all right well we were both successive in our successful in our drives i i had a steady just like four yards of carry kind of kind of series there just getting the first down um i don't know you 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 took a sack on second down you you had a a good first down took a sack but you got a good third down conversion i guess Um, i prefer to
1: i prefer to think of it as i had a deep shot to tyree kill but they somehow called offensive pass interference and so it negated what would have been a great play because my Dolphins offense is too good to be stopped for,
0: for too long. Terry kill was wide open and you severely underthrew it to him, much like his, his quarterback does. (laughs) And it didn't work out for you. Um, out of curiosity, we're at the end of the podcast now. Anyways, Josh, who, who would, who was your team that you were going to go with? Had you needed to use, go on fourth down?
1: Uh, and this is the team that I would predict to make the playoffs next year. That missed this year. Yep. That missed this year. I yeah, I had a hard time with this because I feel like there's too many easy options, like the Jets with Rodgers, right, or the Bengals with. Burrow. Yeah, I cheated.
0: That was mine. It was I did Burrow and the Bengals. My stat was Burrow only played ten games. If oh. he had played twelve games, they would okay, have. Th- okay, that go. was mine. <laughs>
1: um, I don't even know if I can say mine where there's recording.
0: Was it going to be the Vikings? No. Oh, I just assumed it was the Vikings.
1: No, I also didn't want to pick that one because that's what everyone would assume for me. Plus, plus, it's not really breaking any news because obviously the Vikings will be in the playoffs next year, so you don't have to explain.
0: <laughs> all right, now obviously now we're the, too curious, Josh. Were you, you going to say the Cardinals?
1: No, I was going to say the Bears, and I okay, and I can't say that as a Vikings fan. Like it's it's weird to say that. There's people that would judge it. me for that, but so I want it. all all Vikings fans to know that. I'm operating on the assumption that the Vikings have won the division. The bears are sneaking in as a wild card. Um, but the seven and 10 bears is this year where I was pretty high on them early. And then you got even more higher than I did in the end. Um, and I just, I believe in Justin Fields. I believe in the draft capital they have. Um, and I don't, I don't want to say I believe in their front office per se, because they haven't always made the right decisions, but I do think that Ryan Bowles is a plan. I do think that they have, you know, I think if they stick with Fields, I think they could make some mistakes in the off season that would, that would then shift me in the other direction. But I think if they rally behind fields, if they bolster one one side of the trenches, at least with an elite talent, uh, preferably defensive line, in my opinion, um, if they somehow get Marvin Harrison Jr., um, this seven and 10 team that, that looked pretty good at times, um, you know, with a new offensive coordinator in place. I, I, I think the the bears are, I thought the bears were going to be kind of annoying this year and they kind of were, um, you know, the Vikings had a 10, nine lead and that could have helped us get to the playoffs, but instead we lose 12 to 10 in a in a game where they didn't even play well, but their defense played well. And, um, I mean, people are sick of hearing me say, I like the young secondary in Chicago, but you know, you watch the Bears Packers game you see Tyreek Stevenson like trying to take the heads off of Packer players like you know you don't uh, you don't uh, like encourage that sort of behavior necessarily but from a rivalry standpoint like this Bears team is is there to play and I think that with they had a good offseason last year and with the potential for another good offseason assuming that's what happens like it's gonna be hard for me to picture this team not going at least nine and eight um, and and making a, a run at, at the wild card and so I was trying to pick a team that because like another easy team for me would have been like Jacksonville. I think they're going to rebound next year. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. the Chargers will rebound next year with a new coach. I think the Colts, if they can maintain some of what yeah. they have with with Anthony Richardson, I think they're like all my other the teams I looked at that missed out kind of just missed out. Like I don't know if anyone's making a huge jump. Like I don't think the Cardinals will be quite there yet. I think the Seattle maybe takes a step back. The Raiders, I don't see them like. Their their fun story was kind of dwindled. I think the Broncos are going to have some years of of ineptitude, and you know the Panthers are still you know ten years off. Like the oh Falcons, the Fal- yeah. the Falcons might have been my next choice, or like the Saints, like the NFC South. But again, mm-hmm. I, that's the division's just not good. So I was kind of left with the Bears because assuming the Vikings are already in there again. So I don't know.
0: You're what's I debated the Bears, and ultimately, it's funny going against the. The lesson learned about rookie quarterback. I'm getting worried they're going to do a new quarterback and they're going to start over again. It's just going to start the whole process again. And the same thing that happened three years ago is going to happen. They finally developed this good defense. And then, whatever quarterback they take, it, the defense is going to age out by the time that guy's ready. And then it's just, you know, just like it was at the beginning of Fields tenure.
1: Um, in some trade I don't know if they could get anything Um, I'm gonna be out of the Bears as well even if they take whoever the best quarterback is I haven't I haven't really done my own little film review on Caleb Williams Drake May Um, my buddy and I are kind of into Michael Penix Jr. for the Vikings right now would be a fun would be a fun pick but I haven't looked in depth at his at his tape um, so yeah basically
0: (laughs) there is you know we have a whole playoffs to to watch so let's do that um (laughs) Josh, thank you very much for coming on once again for this power rankings 5.5 and uh super wild card weekend preview. Hope everybody enjoys the wild wild weekend. Um do you, do you support the the name super wild card weekend or do you do you ignore that?
1: Is that what they're calling it these days, super <laughs> wild card weekend? So I guess my answer is no, I don't support it. You know what I support? And it's not just because the Vikings just missed out because we wouldn't have even gotten it. I I hate the seven teams. I'd rather an even number. I think they should go to eight and get the first two teams, get a bye. Um, and again, the Vikings finished 10th. They wouldn't have even gotten in if that were the case. So I'm not, right. it's not just the, like the Vikings were almost there. So that's what I want. It's the, the seven teams is weird to me. Just like the 17 game season, like Canada 500 team. Like it's weird to me. I'd rather have eight teams, two teams get a buy on, on the what, number one and number two and upside the bracket type of deal. That's just, I think I'm used to, I think I grew up with that doing, you know, traveling basketball tournaments and things like that. So that's, that's kind of my, my, my shtick, but, um, I guess super wildcard weekend isn't going to cause me any extra stress. I just, I don't know.
0: Well, you didn't know about it. So I think, I think you're <laughs> all good there. Um, <laughs> That that was the perfect answer. That was fantastic. All right, (laughs) everyone. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of the Short Podcast. Thank you, Josh, for coming on once again. Love it. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the football. Have fun and be safe out there.